Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What up? What up, everybody? Happy, happy Wednesday, one and all. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis. What's up, fellas? Happy afternoon. How we doing? Yo, what's, what's, up? Up? what's up? What's up? What's up? Good to see you. Good to see everybody already in the comments section filling it up. We appreciate it. Smash the like button. Tell a friend for sure. Uh, we had a fun day yesterday. We had Andy Reid on, and we're going to be playing some cuts from that. A little bit later in the program, looking forward to uh, to replaying some of Big Red, which was uh, really interesting stuff there for sure. We're also going to hear from Jeff Mosher. Jeff has not been on the program yet, so we will hear from from Jeff inside the birds. We had his co-host Adam Kaplan on uh, leading up to the draft, but Jeff's going to join us uh, about 13 minutes, give or take, somewhere around there. We'll be talking to Jeff. We're looking forward to that. Uh, certainly a lot to dive into with the Eagles. Guys, we're now up to... By my count, I could be off one or two here, but one, two, three, four, five, six departures in the last six months. I'm talking like big time people too, right? Like how did the Eagles front office? Um, we actually had Howie on a couple of weeks back, and we addressed that with him too. This is before there were a couple more names that that have been gone since then. We're gonna we're gonna play a cut from that with Howie, but that's a that's a lot of movement, uh, guys. That's for sure, but. I start with this one, man. That Phillies game last night—they they have tortured us. <laughs> you, you knew you knew I couldn't I couldn't get through this today without. I, 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 this is where it's very therapeutic sometimes to do this job, and this is therapeutic because I, I need to talk about it. So well, hold on, man. We we, yeah, we, we, we we said we were going to talk about it for late till later on. You you just couldn't help bro. yourself, man. We discussed it for a solid ten minutes that you weren't going to go into Phillies until later on. You just couldn't help yourself, man. I couldn't. I, if I could fit a couch in my little my my little cubby hole, my little office here. I I I lay down on it and let you guys just give me counseling. <laughs> I mean, Rob, Rob, Rob yes, just put your, put your hand on your computer and let the vibes flow through, and just say to yourself, "Serenity now." <laughs> Serenity now. Just just I'm gonna stay. Just just let just let it just let it go, Rob, because this is what we're going to see the entire Stop. spring and summer. Stop. Into the fall. This is what you have to come to the realization with, Rob, <laughs> is that your Phillies are going to give you moments of exhilaration oh. and moments of frustration. Thank you, I know you I, I know you are the consummate Philadelphia sports fan. You are from here. You are born and bred here. <sighs> I get all that. But, Rob, sometimes you have to overcome your emotions. And just move on, my friend. I can't. I can't get over can't it. Do it. No, can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Tamla Herman Edwards. Or was that Singletary? Can't do it. Can't yep. do it. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> All can't right. So with him. Let me set the scene. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm not even gonna put people through the first eight innings of torture. First of all, it was a four hour game, which in and of itself is absurd. But what's wrong with that? Oh God. And come on, man. So Bryce Harper steps to the plate with one on. Phillies are down one in the bottom of the ninth and hits a rocket shot. The, the, I, it may still be, it might still be going. This ball was destroyed. And it's the kind of home run 
that lifts up an entire team. And you're saying to yourself, when this kind of stuff happens, this is when you win. Like, this is the kind of game he's pumped up. His reaction as he's going around the bases, the whole thing, the dugout's on fire. But lo and behold, we go to the bottom of the night. Again, Phillies are up one after the Harper home run. And Harper's carrying them with a torn ligament in his elbow, by the way. So we go to the ninth. And for some reason, Nick Nelson. Nick Nelson. Who? who? Let me repeat. Nick who? Nelson. Okay. I'd rather have Steven Nelson on the mound in that situation last night. But Nick Nelson goes to the mound for some unknown reason. No Corey Canable. No Sir Anthony Dominguez. No Alvarez. N- none of the above. Guys who have actually closed and are used to high leverage situations. Instead, Girardi decides he's going to go with Nick Nelson for a second straight inning. Okay? So Nick Nelson goes out there and proceeds to give up a leadoff double to Dansby, Dansby Swanson, a wild pitch. Ronald Acuna Jr. hits a ball to right center field that in Little League, in T-ball, is caught by the outfielders, except Roman Quinn and Nick Castellanos aren't on the same page. The ball drops, runs scores. Acuna Jr. is at, at second. Now the game's tied. Next batter, there hasn't been an out recorded, by the way. The next batter comes up. Don't, Gunner, not right now. I need to rent. Next batter comes up. William Contreras gets a hit. Acuna Jr. scores, and they lose in the blink of an eye. For a game that took an eternity, that bottom of the nine took, it felt like three seconds. I can't do it. I, I can't even do it to myself. So anyway, Girardi's asked after the game, you're killing me with this. Girardi's asked after the game, and he says, well, uh, Nabel wasn't available because he's worked two straight days. Okay, number three, two straight days. He doesn't like using guys three straight. Number one, it's a joke in and of itself, and it's the wussification of sports. Right, but number right. one, the guy, he, yes, he he came in in a five-run game the night before. Why are you using him there? Number one, number two, Sir Anthony Dominguez had not pitched on Monday night. Okay, through eleven pitches on Sunday. And he was too exhausted to pitch on Tuesday. Hold on, Rob. Rob, you can't make that much sense, man. Stop making too much sense. What, guys? <laughs> what am I missing here, man? What happened? I mean, Barrett, you played with broken fingers on every hand, and I don't care if I sound like the old guy right now. This is a joke. If the it manager is, is going to have this country club mentality where these guys can just have days off left and right, or he's got a tummy ache, or he's got a finger, a hangnail, and he doesn't pitch. It's it's laughable. You've created this atmosphere where these guys are going to feed into it. It, it. It's like a parent enabling a child. It's the same thing. He is such a weak-ass manager. It drives me bananas. Wait, 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 wait. Now, you were one of many who were so happy when they hired Girardi. You know, everybody was applauding the Phillies hire of Joe Girardi as their manager because of his baseball pedigree. Now, all of a sudden, you guys want to put him in the guillotine. Correct. I mean, there's, still a lot, there's still a lot of baseball to be played, Rob. No, no, no. He can, don't do that. To he don't, can don't, overcome, do, don't do the hunt. There's a lot he of can baseball. Overcome, the, he can overcome the errors of his ways. 43 games, I say give man. him time. Here's the difference. When when you see them up close and personal, when he doesn't have Mariano Rivera closing for him, the goat of closers, these guys look a lot different up close and personal. He has had such an awful feel for the bullpen, and he he has 
not only has he not made an impact, he's hurt this team. There's no way this team should be under 500. I'm not putting it all on him, but last night, I'm putting it on him. Last night is a Girardi loss, 100%. You usually go through the players. Usually the players play. But when you don't allow players to play because you're too soft on them, I mean, he threw 11 pitches. Sir Anthony threw 11 pitches. Are you kidding me? Come on, He man. was tired after that. And it wasn't much- even the day before, Barrett. That was Sunday. <laughs> you realize I, how I much mean- money he's making to, p- to throw 11 pitches and then say, I, I, I don't know if I – I don't even know if he told Joe, hey, Joe, I can't pitch tonight. If I'm the manager, I'm saying, look here, you need to get your bleep off the bench, start loosening up, plain and simple. You know, I, And I don't know what the discussion was. I don't know. You know what was Joe's reasoning after the game? Did so he, he he straight up said he doesn't like using relievers this early in the season three days in a row. So that's Canable, right? So okay, that's the Canable excuse. Sir okay. Anthony, he wouldn't really expound on, like basically. And I know, look, I know Sir Anthony's history before everybody starts going. I know all the surgeries and all that, but he he's deep enough into the season now where he could pitch back to back days yeah. or. Yeah, every other day. Yes. I, I I mean, or don't be on the roster. Find somebody else who can pitch. I just, I don't. So Girardi didn't really give an excuse on Sarandi other than he was down. Quote, he was down. He's going to be available tonight, but he was down. Now he had, he had Al- Alvarez up, but he chose not to go with him because there was a bunch of righties coming up. Meanwhile, Nick Nelson was batting practice in the, in the ninth. You might as well just put it on a tee with the way the guys were crushing the ball <laughs> against him. So, I, I mean, I just – it's just such a killer because you fought back. And if I'm Harper, I'm like, I'm playing with a torn ligament in my elbow. Right. And, and this dude can't pitch back-to-back games after throwing 11 pitches on Sunday? Like, I have a, I have a real problem if I'm Bryce Harper. I'm sorry. I do. Well, that's the damning you- place right there. That's the damning thing right there. That, you know, that, you know, here Harper is walking wounded, walking dead. He's not really hanging on thread. And you got these guys that are sitting on the bullpen month and a half anyways and and, and then you're, you're resting them yeah. i mean i mean you got to get your arm in shape man these guys arms aren't in shape man. yeah, yeah. right and for all the for all the he does to them guys let me give you two stats on the phillies bullpen they're, they're they have the worst on base percentage against in major league baseball and the second worst whip in baseball so all of this hobbling and oh rest your arm sir anthony all that stuff that girardi does doesn't seem to be working too well. So put them out there anyway. Uh, how about their their record is even now? You know, their record is even now. And, I, I just, and Harper, I'm, I know I know Harper's pissed off. He had four RBIs, bro. Yeah. Come on, he was man. A mo- he was a one-man wrecking crew. Hey, does right. it make you feel any better? The Mets Mets blew a game last night. Does that yeah, make finally. you feel any better? But the, the Mets don't make excuses, though. They're down no. Scherzer. They're down no. DeGrom. And they just keep winning. And they almost you came see, back and what that game was nuts, by the way, last night. Well, yeah, you know, they, they were down, way down. They came back, and the last time I saw it, they were up 11 8. I said, okay, it's over. All of a sudden, I look at the box score last night. They lost 13 12. But this pains the, me. They have what? a lot of heart. And Phillies have heart. Huh? We just have to find it. We got to go see the wizard. That's what we yeah. have to go see. We have you to go better, see the you, wizard. You better Phillies get an excavator heart. and dig into some chests, huh? man. That's, that's hey, some serious hey, surgery. Hey, right? We got to go hey. see the wizard, man. We got a bunch of 10 men up there. Yeah, with the um, exception of Harper. Well, well, that, the, bats are, the bats are swinging better. It's not the, so. It's not the bats. It's the pitching. They're, they're never and the man, on, what? They're never on the same page. You're right. The starting pitching's been fine. I have zero issue with the starting pitching, and and Harper obviously delivers. But 
they're it's never all the it's never your three categories or, or four defense offense starting pitching relief pitching ever the whole year it hasn't been on the same page what well, let, right, so let me ask this so let me ask you both this let me ask you both this what type yeah. of what type of what type of um offense do you guys want you want home runs or do you want small ball i mean what are you looking at for i, I don't team? care I don't either, Barrett. Whatever gets you runs. Like, I, I, if you're not, if you're slumping, play some small ball. Or go station to station. I don't care if you, if you, if you're raking. Yep. Either way, whatever it is, man. I really, honestly, don't care what the approach is. A, Just be more good, consistent. This may not be the lineup a for good. small ball, though. When you have guys I like hear you. this, okay. you know, these, these are big hitters. Yeah. yeah, but a good offense finds a way to manufacture runs, no right. matter what the cost is. And this, you know, some of them have to put their pride aside if it's if it's a sacrifice bunt. Or whatever the case may be, you know, you you just put a you know. I understand this is a lineup on paper that looks like a bunch of big boppers, but a good overall lineup. Look at the Mets lineup. I hate to keep bringing up the Mets, but look at their lineup. They don't. They're not big uh, home run hitting ball club. They find a way to score. They they tattoo you to death. Double, single, double, single, single, double. They just tattoo you to death. They wear you down. That's the kind of offense you want to have. You know, you're not going to be the big bopping. No, they're not. They're not going to be a big bopping offense every night, but they're going to find a way to score runs. You know, that's the kind of offense you want. You know, the the Phillies are hitting the ball better, but Rob's right; they haven't been on the same page in quite some time. Yeah, and all phases. That look, they've had a lot of tough losses, like that when they were up seven one against the Mets. uh, That's the first one that jumps to mind, obviously, right? Or the way they closed out that West Coast swing when they had that Dodgers game in hand and they blew that. Those were killers. And, and I, I guess you could maybe make a case the seven to one lead was worse than this, but just the, the, the jolt that Harper gave you with the home run and then to just, uh, I mean, proceed to give it away in the blink of an eye, the way they did in the bottom of the night when you could have, there's no absolute, no scenario where Nick Nelson should be closing a game. There's no scenario. I'm hey, sorry. Hey Barrett, look how red, look how red Rob's face is right I now. <laughs> I know. It is, it is look hot. At, you can cook bacon on my cheeks right now, bro. And we sat back and we, we, um, hey. You know, we have like a pre-meeting. Far heads on fire. I look yeah, like I was yeah. just on the beach. <laughs> we we have a pre this see people in the streams understand we have like a, a a pre-meeting for the show an hour before at eleven. Yep. So we get on and we're talking and 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 first thing he says, you know, he says it's a text. We we gotta go Phillies. We gotta go Phillies. <laughs> so then we're lining our guests up. We're gonna have Mosher on, uh Jeff Mosher. Who's joining us in a second, yeah. Yeah. And uh he said, you know, because we're gonna have him on at 12 15. And he says, all right, then we just 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 leave the Philly stuff alone. We'll leave it alone until later on, until not the most. We'll just leave it alone. And he couldn't help himself. I I, it's he pathetic. comes out firing. Yeah. I'm, I'm he so, told I'm, us to, to chill out, to sit back and wait a minute. But yeah. he just comes out firing. I, I was oh, in he, a good mood. I was in a good right. mood until this show started. I have those self-control. Rob just brought me there. Obviously. Right. All right. That's you why your wife do. put you in a basement. Exactly right. It's, I, I'm usually in the crawl space, so it, it, this oh, is geez. this is an upgrade. All right, you know, let's lift our spirits. Let, let, let's go to our guy. We we haven't had a chance to have him on the show Bro, yet. What's up? And I'm looking forward no. to talking to him. That's our guy, Jeff Mosher. We we had his co-host Adam Kaplan on. And they do an awesome job with their podcast, Inside the Birds. I love you. See, look at look at the handsome renderings behind Jeff <laughs> that he has for his background. I, I think you got better the better than the real thing. Well, you got the better <laughs> end of the stick than, than Kaplan did, I think, on on those uh, renderings. I think. And I'll just I might have had some influence in that. <laughs> yes, I, I hear you. First yeah, so of all, I'm, Jeff, I'm, good to hang with you, man. Go ahead, back. Yeah, I'm I'm playing golf the other day. We're playing in um in uh live casinos golf event, and I'm chilling with Mosher. And all of a sudden, you know, we walk by Dr. J. He looks at Dr. J like, that's Dr. J. I look up, yo, that's Dr. J. I'm like, yo, I'm going crazy. Yeah, 
I've seen him a lot, man. You know, I'm around a lot. You know, like, yo. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, all right that, cool, you know. So we go take a picture. And all of a sudden, he said, where the big office alignment at? This is, this is Dr. J. Where the big office alignment at? So here I am right here. He said, because you got, you get in the front, big guys in the front. And, you know, he said, oh, no, he can't get on the knee. I, so I got down on the knee. All of a sudden, two seconds later, guess who gets down on the knee next to me? Jeff Dr. J. Oh, the doctor. <laughs> so I took a picture <laughs> Not on me. a knee with oh. Dr. J. That's what Look, I'm talking about. You. We both in the he, front. He's a guy I would geek out about. Like I, I've interviewed yeah. him before, and I, I I'm kind of like I guess Jeff's reaction. I'm usually just like whatever. Like we, you know, we've been here, done that. But that's one like Doc would would be kind of like that's royalty, man. Right, 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 right. You know, well, the the reaction that you would have had to Doc was actually the reaction that I had to. to if you remember, Saturday it was like ninety eight degrees, right? And we get there at like eleven o'clock, and people just start pouring off that um that that shuttle from live, and then dudes I'd never seen in my life just who were in the tour just go straight to the booze tent and start doing shots like How? multiple shots, and I, that's I was like. These guys aren't going to make it to the third hole. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened too. That's exactly. But it's true. Somebody had to. Somebody had to cut out pretty early that day. Yeah, yeah I, I would say just about fifty percent of the golfers tapped out. Man, couldn't finish the eighteen hole. Man, no kidding. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, okay. it, it was so hot that they and they and they started off drinking. So I go over sit in the corner with motion. Here we are talking about antacids and how we have to take antacids for GERD and you know how we're just drinking water because we don't want it. It's oh, a bunch, of, bunch oh. of old fogies. Yeah, what a party, what two fogies. party guys right there, man. Really gun, you're not lying. It really got into the point where we were talking about colonoscopies. Oh jeez. Oh my god. Oh my, oh my god. god. Barrett lives right near my colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and by the way, speaking of colonoscopies, I've never had that set use that segue before, but speaking of them, <laughs> the easiest part is actually the colonoscopy. The worst part is the night before. Right? Oh my the, goodness, the, yes. The procedure's nothing. But yeah, the night no. before when you are living Drinking on the that mess, is, oh. is the worst. It's the worst. I got yeah. one in July, man. I got one in my 50th. I usually get it on my 50th anniversary. Same here. Uh, you know, my 50th um, birthday. But, you know, long story long, it was just a bad time. So I said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and, and I scheduled it and I have it in, in July. Yeah, I did so, in August. Not man. looking forward to it. Not, uh, hey, hey, can, look, you got to do it, but, but, you know. Yeah. Can you imagine the volume of liquid bears going to have to drink the flush out? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. What are we talking about? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeff, aren't you glad you came on? <laughs> Oh, that's all the time we have for Jeff. He's going to have to sprinkle the powder in the bathtub. Uh, <laughs> oh. Just jump into the hey, tub with the straw. Stay out of the pool, Barrett. Okay? What? Stay out of the pool, my man. Oh, Rob, if ever a time for your let's get it back to the Eagles. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, Jeff, without further ado, let's get it back to the Eagles. All right. Oh, um, man. I, I want to I hit you with this one first. You know, I – and tell me if I'm missing somebody because I I count one two three four at least six including Andy Waddle which is clearly the, the headliner but there's a lot of big names here that have that have left the front office in the last you know what four or five months whatever it's been mm-hmm. and, and you know it's it's ironic I guess in, to an extent we're coming off the heels of what was a really good draft last year and what appears to be a good draft this year and now you have this kind of turnover I guess my question is Jeff I know some of this is. Hey, it happens all the time. If you're doing a good job, people are going to pluck your people, you know, whatever. But this seems like a an inordinate amount of, of folks moving. You think? Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's quite 
Guys, what happened to the Phillies last night? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I'd rather get a colonoscopy, Jeff, than go do that again. Okay? Uh, uh, I, ha- I have an expression that I like to use um, on Inside the Birds with Adam. that, And it's very true. It, over the last five, six, seven years, it could go back longer, that, that no team hires and fires coaches, position coaches especially, more coming off a playoff year than the Philadelphia Eagles, which is true. If you go back and look, every time they make the playoffs, it's amazing how much coaching staff turnover they have and not because somebody left for a better job. Right. Uh, and this year it extends that to front office. That it, It's just amazing how different the Eagles front office is about to become and is becoming because of this rash of departures. Some of them, as you just mentioned, Rob, you leave for a better job. Some of them are firing. Some of them, like, Tom Donahoe is, I'm leaving, I might retire, I might not, I might resurface somewhere else. And th- there's a purpose and an intentionalness to this. I still have more homework to do. Adam has more homework to do. But, you know, clearly Howie Roseman had a different vision going forward for the front office. Younger, more diverse. Uh, when I speak to people, I get the term, and this is where I have more homework to do, kind of more forward thinking in, in how they go about their operations. Uh, what that entails, we have to see. Um, we always know that they are big on analytics, so we'll have to see what that means. Is that it right as there? Well. Is I, I, I don't know if that's just just it alone, uh, uh, Barrett. I think that there's clearly a different process that they're eyeing going forward. But the question you would you would have to ask that is, why right now? Because, I mean, obviously you had to replace some of the some of the losses anyway um, from who guys who got better jobs. But why right now? Do you change everything when when the public and, and the media and just in general, even people who work there generally see the last two off seasons as a, a positive trend as opposed to the two off seasons before that? Jeff, let me ask you this then. The mm-hmm. mass ex the mass exodus, is it based solely in your opinion? I don't know. In your opinion, mm-hmm. is it based solely on people getting opportunities or do people want to leave the organization organization for whatever the case may be? And I'm not saying there's any in-house frictions, but do you mm-hmm. think people are trying to get out of there for, for whatever the reason may be? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I hate to, to be um, vague about it, but it's definitely case by case uh, Gunner. Yeah. I mean, certainly yeah. Ian Cunningham and Brandon Brown are both leaving and Catherine Ridge are leaving for better jobs. The, two right. of them are becoming assistant GMs. And, and I think actually Catherine Rach is as well in Cleveland. So those are really good jobs. Andy Weidel is about to become the AGM of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's an incredible yep. job. Huge. Yep. Huge Absolutely. job. He's from Pittsburgh. He's going to retire from there, bro. Right, right. Plus, he's really going to have more power than even AGM might suggest because the GM, Omar Khan, is not necessarily as much of a – I hate to use the term football guy, but he really comes through the – the cat salary cap management sector. He knows his football, but great dude. Obviously, too. Andy, he needs Andy, right? To to re- to really give him the, maybe he's probably set the board, really. So so all those are better jobs. But you could also say, well, wait a minute. Why wouldn't you promote any of them to a, the, the Eagles don't have an assistant general manager? So what wouldn't you want to keep some of these really talented people if you could keep them? And then there's a guy like Tom Donahoe. He ju- his contract is up and he says, I'm I'm out. So if he's retiring, fine, he's retiring. He's in his 70s, I think. If he surfaces with another team, then you'd say, well, wait a minute. Why did 
you, you were out, but now you're you're coming back in. Um, there are guys that Howie Roseman fired or just did not retain, which is a firing because the contract is up. Casey Casey Weidel is an example of that. Um, Sean Heinlein, an area scout, is an example of that. So it really is different reasons. And um, the big picture of that to me, Derek, is that this yeah. team is intentionally using the – and I don't know if it's they're using it, but coinciding with the fact that they're losing some good people – they're completely restructuring what they do in the front mm-hmm. office. Yeah. And I guess mm. Jeff, the, the sheer volume of it is what's, I guess, troubling may, maybe a little strong, but sure. if it's one or two, you kind of, okay, whatever you can figure it out, promote from within, you know, there's reports that John Ferrari might get elevated, whatever. And I know these aren't all common names to people. I get it. It, it, but you know, you would think, okay, I understand that, but that's the ironic part too, Jeff is, you know, and we don't know about this. It's it's on paper this year, but it appears like there's a there's been a pretty good plan the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and they've had real good draft nights. It seems like, including the AJ Brown trade. It just seems the timing of it is straight. Like if you had uh, followed up what was an awful 2020 with a bad 21, you'd say, I get it. Like they should be cleaning house here. I I just I don't know, man. <laughs> it's it's Listen, weird. I I think that it's. For for most fans, right, they don't know a lot of these names. They're not people who are in the public. They know Andy Weidel, but, you know, the Catherine Raches, the Ian Cunninghams, you know, whoever, you know, the Alan Wolking, who will probably get a promotion mm-hmm. for the, with the Eagles, right? They don't know. So it doesn't really hit them. But when you ask yourself, why do certain teams like the Steelers and, say, the Ravens, I think Green Bay Packers are really good at this, they have a great continuity in their front offices. It doesn't mean they never lose somebody or never hire from the outside, but they tend to promote from within. They tend to build a lineage where you move up and move up, move up, just like Joe Douglas and Andy Weidel did in Baltimore before coming on here. And that was starting to be the case here because Joe brought in Andy, brought in Ian Cunningham. He brought a lot of those Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, uh, Baltimore guys in, and they were starting to develop that continuity. The Steelers are good at that. The Ravens are good at that. The Packers are good at that. The Chiefs are good at that. And there are some other teams uh, as well that are known for that. And you see that they don't, they're not, those teams I mentioned, they're not necessarily peaks and valleys type team. When's the last time the Steelers were awful? I mean, they had Duck Hodges starting quarterback for them a few years ago. And that was like their, their rock bottom season. And they finished eight and eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Eagles are, they sort of hoodwink a little bit in that like whenever they're on prime time you'll see their record over the last 20 25 years and they're up there with all the best right um some of that is heavily weighted by the andy Reid era but there are a peaks and valleys team and if you really go back to 2010 and 11 and 12 the last two years of andy right till this year they had the super bowl season where they which was great and then 2018 they won a playoff game but i don't think they've won a playoff game in any of those other eight seasons in the last 10 years. So they're, I'm not saying they're bad and I'm not saying that they don't have a good identity. I mean, they're great as far as bolstering the trenches, but to me, they've always struggled with who they are as a franchise, as an organization, what their objective is, what their identity is compared to say like a Steelers or Ravens who just know what they are year in and year out and they can replace parts. Right. And that's why I think the Eagles are more, peaks and valleys win the super bowl go back to the playoffs then you start that decline and then you bottom out yeah, four yeah. wins and now you're on the build-up and i pro- i would say you're probably not going to see the impact of what's going on right now f- maybe for another two or three years 
And I'm not definitely saying they're going to be bad. I'm just saying the history has shown you recently that they're up and then down and up and down. And they're, they're constantly kind of rearranging the furniture here and trying to do different things. And that's, to me, that's not the, the recipe for that long-term sustained success to the point where when you have a bad year, people are shocked by it. I will tell you, having covered the Pittsburgh Steelers for 10 years, they're one of the few franchises when they say this is a family organization, they mean it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You look like you just alluded to Jeff. They've only had three coaches in the last, what? 40 years. Okay. You look at the front office. They have very little front office turnover. They make mm-hmm. you feel welcome that they want you to stay. In most cases, they do whatever it takes to get you to stay whether it's money, whether it's position. That's why they have been so consistent. Now, they may not have been the Super Bowl entity that they were in the 70s, but you look at Mike Tomlin, Tomlin's been there 15 seasons, okay? Mm -hmm. How many coaches last 15 years in one place? Mike Tomlin, of course, had to prove his worth. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in 15 years. I mean, that's incredible in itself. Even when he had the quarterback issues, he still finds a way to go eight and eight. You know, they they make you people people want to go to Pittsburgh. You can't say that about every organization in the NFL. When you get an opportunity to work for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that is a highlight on your resume, whatever the capacity is, because they're not going to force you out. If anything, it's like it's like, you know, the mafia. They want to keep you in. Once you're in, (laughs) you're in for life. You know, right. I and mean, you can't I, say, I wouldn't, you can't I, I, say I don't that. know anything about that, Gunner. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Jeff, you know don't what? make me tell your business on, on camera. <laughs> Whatever. Well, you know, no, what? you're right. Like, you're absolutely just right. Just like me playing, me playing with the Steelers. I, I'm I'm close with Omar Khan, you know, because he, he I, that's who I used to talk to, to to negotiate my contracts with. I never I didn't my in my last four seasons was a, a you know, I was getting slotted the veteran minimum. minimum so I didn't mm-hmm. have to really negotiate a contract. But I would call him and I would be like, hey, um, Omar, you know, I mean, you guys signed me back. He said, yeah, we're going to sign you back, but give us till this date because we have to clear some other stuff up first. But, yeah, you're our guy. And and once he gave me that assurance, I'd wait three or four months and would, would not worry about me being a Pittsburgh Steeler because that's the way that organization is run. Yes. A handshake yeah. means more to them than actually ink on a contract. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of the values that that – that that whole organization, you know, what they breed, man, because yeah. it's hard to become a Pittsburgh if you're not a Pittsburgh Steeler. It just so happened that, you know, in my travels, I was with, you know, uh, you know, the last GM when I was in Detroit. He left Detroit and went to the Steelers and he took me along with him later on when I got there. But, you know, I think when I was there the, the, during the whole inception of this Pittsburgh Steelers, I was like there were only like six hundred and eighty seven Pittsburgh Steelers that were in the organization. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know, 15 years ago. It right. was only 600 and something. They have a turnaround like five years of other teams, but they just don't let guys if – if they draft you there, you're going to be there. They they make sure that they cultivate you and make you a player, and that's what, you know, this organization is all about. Yep. And, and I see the Eagles as an organization that, you know, they're trying to get into that type of genre, but they got a little work to do. But, I mean, man, the way they're sending out these executives, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know – what they're going to do going forward. I think we all are. I mean, I, I, there are certainly some names that we've, you know, talked about on inside the birds of, of uh, some hirings that they've already made. They just haven't announced. So they have brought in some people from the outside. Um, they're going to promote some people on the inside. Uh, but when you, I think the, the general point is when you lose that many people and you're changing 
coming off what's seen as two pretty good off seasons, it makes you wonder, like, are they – they're trending up right now. I don't think anybody would, would say opposite. But what happens after they – this year? I mean, are they going to start going back down? Like, what is their identity? Who's in charge? Who calls the shots? You know, they have a lot of different titles. Titles don't always say what you do. It's more about what you're making. So there's a lot that we have to figure out once they finally announce their their front office. And then a lot this team will have to do because you don't just snap your fingers when you have so many new people and you're all aligned, right? It's it's going to take some time for everybody to get used to each other and, and what it's like working with um, new personnel. Well, Jeff, for the here and now, as you know, and I hear you with this is certainly going to, there's a ripple effect, but for right now in, in 2022, as we go into this season, mm-hmm. there's high expectations, you know, for a team that won nine games last year, they did get in the playoffs, but you know, let's face it. A lot of this was against teams that were of lesser caliber to be kind and quarterbacks that by the way, yeah. um, are you one who is in the projection of the 10, 11, possibly having surpassed the Cowboys on paper? How do you, how do you view this uh, upcoming season? Yeah, I know. I do think that that they look like to me. I think what I've said is I I feel like from an expectation standpoint now that the floor should be ten. I think the ceiling is is twelve, which is pretty tight there. I, I don't see them being more than a twelve win team unless everything goes right and you get a lot more out of a, the trio of Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Gannon, Nick Sirianni than expect. Uh, it really sort of annoys me. When I hear people say this team is now ready to go as far as Jalen Hurts takes it, it's all on Jalen Hurts, and I and I I don't think that's fair because I not that it's not, but there's no person in that organization who received more help and support in the form of personnel and talent around him than Jonathan Gannon. You know, yeah, Jalen Hurts got AJ Brown. Okay, that's great. It should be very good for him, and we'll see what happens with Cam Jurgens if he has to play. But Jonathan Gannon got. New linemen, he got new new linebackers, he got new corners, right? And although he didn't get any new safeties, they they are higher on Marcus Epps than maybe most are. So it's his job now to go put out a defense that should be way less predictable than last <laughs> year's defense. And so I think there's just as much of a uh, um, onus on him to take that next step up in his second year as a play caller as it is Jalen Hurts in his second year as a full-time starter. So I think that if those guys really are, you know, if they do take a big step up, then maybe you're looking at something special. But I think 10 to 12 is is pretty fair. I don't know that they've – here's the thing about comparing rosters, right? Like maybe the Eagles from 1 to 53, if you did 1, 2, 3, right, you would say they've got better players overall than the Cowboys. But I think at, as we sit here right now, you, it's fair to say the Cowboys still have the better quarterback. Yep. They still have the better pass rusher. And Micah Parsons, um, and those are two of the most important positions on the on the field. You know, Darius Slay is great, but Trayvon Diggs had a, a whole lot of interceptions last year, so maybe it's it's a wash. I don't know, but I, I so maybe the top ten of Dallas to me might be a little bit better than the top ten, or how you weight certain positions might be. But I certainly think the Eagles have no excuse now to go and get their rear ends kicked in by Dallas two times like they did. It should be a competitive game that's down to the wire. Hey, Jeff, what do you make of the Eagles' tight end situation beyond Dallas Goddard right now? Yeah, it's pretty – it reminds me a little bit of what it used to be when they had Brent and then they drafted Zach Ertz to be young and upcoming guy, and then they had a versatile Swiss Army knife and Trey Burton. They have Dallas Goddard. That's your guy, and he has the potential to be a Pro Bowl tight end, like a really good tight end. But it's sort of anyone 
guess on how number two is yeah. going to go. I, you know, Grant Calcaterra, maybe he winds up being better than expected because really the concussions issue probably um, knocked him down and then going from Oklahoma to SMU. But he's clearly a talented guy, just hasn't done a lot of blocking in college. Uh, the kid they had last year, Jack Stoll, is a pretty good athlete. He can catch a ball. He can block. He's like an H-back. So you, you kind of need that out of your number two if you get it. Um, unfortunately, the injury to um, the kid last year, the six seven kid. Jackson. Uh, Tyree, Tyree Jackson. Jackson, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be detrimental because when you're out, he needed OTAs, right? He, he was still mm-hmm. a project. He, he, mm-hmm. he really needed as much coaching and development. And he's not going to get it not being there at OTA. So he, he's kind of out of the picture for now, and we'll see what happens next year. But Rich, Richard Rodgers is, of course, there to be a veteran. So they have this mix of kind of you got the veteran guy, you got the consistent, stable, you know, emerging guy in Dallas, and you've got the young guys there in, in Stoll and Calcaterra. Um, but someone's got to step up and even be a number two because if Goddard gets hurt, then you would really wonder about the effect that they have at that position. Yeah. Bad, you're muted, bud. Go ahead. He sounds better that way. He's still muted. Yeah, he do. I said, you got J.J. there. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, what, I, did neg- I neglected to mention J.J. How correct. dare you, Jeff? My bad. Come on, man. <laughs> no, but it's – yeah, I I, it, I think that's kind of the fun thing. Too, about there's not there's certain things that aren't quite locked down, and we just don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I want to let – last one for mm-hmm. you, Jeff. Um, Cam Jurgens, you mentioned. We, we debate this all the time. Is he just the backup this year to Kelsey, or has he got to maybe compete for a guard spot? What do you think? I, I mean, I think it's a real uphill climb for him to compete for the guard spot because the guard spot, assuming right guard we're talking about, is already a competition between some pretty good candidates there, and that's Isaac Samalu, and we'll see what happens when Jack Driscoll comes back. And some of the guys they had last year, even Jack Anderson, who played in the season finale, played pretty well until he got hurt. So Coyote Awoshka. Uh, Coyote Awoshka, thank you. The um, name so- team, that one. Right, right. I, I would, if I'm the Eagles, what I'm worried about most is what happens if Jason Kelsey gets hurt this year. And I don't want to have to change my whole offensive line configuration to accommodate that. I want to be able to slide Cam Jurgens right in there and hope that he's up to speed as my second round pick. So I'm going to give him almost every single rep I can, second team, third team center, to get him ready and probably even give Jason, Jason, you know, is going to get like 3 million maintenance days like they do in training at now. And you'll probably see Jurgens get a lot of first-team reps um, to get him ready for that position. If need be for right guard, maybe they, they throw him in there. But I think they just have good candidates right now for right In fact, they have, they're probably likely to make trade, in my opinion, going into the season once they settle out who's going to be the starting right guard and who's not. Jeff, we appreciate it, man. And again, I, I everybody check out it's it's phenomenal podcast inside the birds with Jeff along with Adam Kaplan. You, you get all kinds of great tidbits, information, real, real legit reporting uh, that goes on there. You heard so Jeff, he said researching. He researches stuff. They're researching. See that he's doing so right now as we speak. He's multitasking right now. <laughs> uh, I'm preparing to uh, the lobby to get inside the Eagles front office. So I'm working on my numbers, my analytics, <laughs> my research <laughs> and development. I, I heard there's some openings, so you might be able to pull it up. <laughs> Jeff, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. Appreciate we'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Have a good one. Right. Yep. You got it. That is Jeff. Bonjour. All right, let's get a timeout, guys. Let's come back. Let's kind of react. I want, when we come back, I want to stay on this theme for a minute, but I also want to play a cut from Howie Roseman when we get back, who joined us a couple of weeks ago regarding this this is before there was even more fallout from the eagles front office we'll do that when we get back 
Also, uh, coming up in the one o'clock hour, we're going to replay for you some of the Andy Reid stuff from yesterday and, and just kind of get everybody's reaction to that as well. Still more on the Phillies in store. We're not going anywhere. we got a lot more to do. He's Derek Gunn. He is Barrett Brooks. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about my friends at Station Tap Catering in Drexel Hill. Station Tap Catering in Drexel Hill can handle your business function with ease while you focus on securing a new opportunity for your company. They got 50 years of experience in food preparation. Station Tap Catering will impress your guests and your guests will be impressed. Let me tell you, Station Tap Catering provides delicious food for private events, corporate functions, individual packaged meals, perhaps for the next tailgate, Phillies games, Phillies come back home very soon. You want to get set for that or get prepared for the birds or this time of year, graduations, you got uh, christenings, you got all kinds of stuff going on. They are the people to tap, Station Tap. Give them a call, 484-469-3222, or go to stationtapcatering.com. That's stationtapcatering.com. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Exodus. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mommy Slam Dunk Champion. Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
All right, hope you're having a great Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back in Sports Take. D Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Jacob Sports Network. You're sounding better, Gunner, by the way. I didn't get a chance to tell you that in the uh, first segment. You're getting there. Muted. Sound I'm very good. Muted. On you. Now, if, hey, here's the difference. If I'm muted, it's because Xander forgot to put my mic back on. When Barrett is muted, it's because he keeps playing with the switch on his on his microphone. That's the difference. I do. I, you have to. Why? Why? Because if you're doing certain stuff, you got to make sure you have it on mute. Barrett's like when you, fidgety. When you Barrett drink, is, when he's you very fidgety. You want to hear this? You want to hear this? We hear it all the time. Wait, what, what's in that cup? It's, um, actually, it's Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. Mountain Dew. Just Mountain Dew, yeah. You know I'm all hyped up on Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew spikes hey, with a little something, something. Hey, you know what they call that mountain goat? I'm not gonna finish it. I'm not gonna finish it. <laughs> but you do sound. You're getting there. You're not. You're not a hundred percent. You're there. you're getting close. You're getting close. Yeah, um, man. I've been taking so many different meds, man. And, and like I told you guys, man, I've been taking all these different meds, having crazy dreams and stuff. Wake still? up. Still. Still. I haven't. Had, I didn't have one last night. No. Wait. 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 You dreamt the weird. Phillies blew a, a six a five four lead in the ninth inning, and Nick Nelson was on the mound. Did you dream? Was no, that a dream? no, no. Get this, I did have one last night. Yeah, and we, we I was we were somewhere with it was with. Now I, I, I kid you not, I'm surprised you brought this up. <laughs> well, we're somewhere so like a, a a party, and Barrett was the host. Oh jeez. And when people would call his name, you know when you drive by car dealerships, and you see those those uh, inflatables that flop around like this. Yeah. Barrett was in, and when people call Barrett's name, he would whip around and he was oh, flopping like this. I kid you not. I you, swear got, you better get off whatever you're you're taking, man. <laughs> but why? Well, why have to be? Why do I have to be the? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, it's weird. I'm, you just mentioned that, and I'm thinking. I woke up and I started laughing, and I went back to sleep. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> I ask an innocuous question and somehow Barrett gets drug into it. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, I know. I know because I, I forgot about it until you just said that. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Let, let me play this cut for you. Let's <laughs> we, staying on the uh the theme that we've been we were discussing here. And, and this is this is Howie who joined us. Yeah, you know, was it God, it was two weeks ago, somewhere around there. Uh we talked to him about any any and everything. But here's here's Howie on the turnover that's been taking place in this run office. This is the NFL also. I'll tell you, you know, it, it was, it's, um, it's a challenge, you know, normally this time of year, it kind of, the, 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 the foot comes off the gas a little bit, but um, you look at it, Joe D, uh, AB, Andrew Barry, Pat, Ian, Brandon, I mean, Pat Stewart was named vice president of player personnel. We lost Dwayne Joseph. We lost John Hill. Um, I mean, these guys are nine people who've left here. Yep. We're important parts of what we're doing. And so um, just like a team, you know, like we had a retool and we had that three-year run um, and then we took a, a, a embarrassing step back and we had a retool uh, in the front office side. You just got to look at it as an opportunity. You know, let's, let's get some talented guys. And I think we started that process. We got a lot of good people that are, that are coming in and um, we're not done yet. We're still looking. So. All right. So there, there's Howie. So I, I think, Again, just to be clear, this happens all over the place with successful right. organizations. People leave. It's it's like anything else. You, you guys know. I mean, you, Gunner, you leave uh, uh, the smaller market to go to the bigger market, absolutely, and, and get to take more responsibility. What like understandable, Barrett? You know, you know, you climb the chain of. You were a producer back in the day. You were an intern after your football career, and you you work your way up. 
totally understandable. But that's not the case with all of this. And you just right. wonder, like, what exactly is going on here and why this many people? That's the strange part of it. Well, that's the, there it is. Because, um, I mean, is this organization so good that people are trying to pattern themselves after the Eagles? I could see if we had a bunch of championships, we only have one Super Bowl. Right. But yet it seems as though, you know, our executives are the creme of the creme. Come on, man. I mean, what what makes um what makes you know Howie Roseman, how he does things so special? I mean, even thinking about, you know, Howie Roseman and where he is, he has weathered oh, everything. Every, every storm. Every yeah, storm. I mean, he yeah. has weathered everything, man, from losing to 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 winning to a coach coming in and, and, and being a dictator and kicking them out, making them go down the hallway and then coming back as a fiery Phoenix. He's done it all. What makes Howie so good at what he does that other organizations are starting to look and pick, you know, pe- pick fruits off his tree as opposed to him going out and picking other fruits from somebody else's tree? Look, it's a good question. Here, we, we also have to keep this in mind and watch this closely. A lot of times, you know, we, it, it's not often we see a mass exodus like we've seen in the Eagles front office over the past six months or so. And a lot of times, sure, you're going to promote from within, you're going to bring some new new ideas in, but it doesn't always mesh. You know, you, you had the right gr- group of people that helped you over the last two drafts get to where you are right now, which is a decent-looking team on paper. Now you have to wonder, can you get the, the same productivity out of a new group, a new mindset of people trying to mesh from scouting to decision-making um, to executing the way you've had it in recent years? You know, a lot of times when that happens, the productivity goes down instead of going up, you know. And then all of a sudden you see a couple of people jettisoned again before or after the draft and you're bringing in – you don't want to be a revolving door organization because a lot of good people will shy away from that organization because they don't want to be a quick quick fix. They want to go in and put a niche on whatever they're going to do and help enhance their resume. But if you start to become a revolving door organization, you're going to miss out on some potential top candidates because of their mindset. So – out of necessity, how he's had to retool, so to speak, uh, the people around him who help make uh, who help him make football decisions. Yeah. And so it's going to be in- really interesting to see uh, in the immediate future, and obviously going into next year's draft, uh, exactly how much how he leans on them and how much he openly admits that he is leaning on certain people to help him get to where he needs to go. Yeah, well, let I me ask you this. Go ahead. Sorry. Go back. No, go ahead. Let me ask you this: Is it? a mad exodus that people are picking off the tree or is it a mad exodus that, all right, I can't deal with Howie. Yeah. Jumping ship. But that's why I asked Jeff Mosher. Yeah. That's what I asked Mosher. I said, you know, kudos to people getting better positions. Uh, Some people obviously were handpicked off Howie's tree, but are some people getting out of there because of whatever might be going on that they don't like within the organization. And I'm not saying there's any, any tension, um, any organization right now, but you have to ask the question. It's a, it's a, it's a viable question, you know, because you don't see this, you don't see this many people leaving at the same time, one or two, maybe, but this many, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And you, what you worry about is I, I think Howie was humbled big time after the chip stuff went down and he came back. Right. And then of course, two years later, they have the unbelievable season. They won it. 
then perhaps there was a, a period of time where, you know, you kind of feeling yourself a little bit and then things go off the rails again in 2020 and maybe you regroup and start changing the way that you're thinking about things. And they, and they bounce back in, in what appears to be two straight really good drafts and they make the playoffs last year. You hope that it's not a situation where how he gets into these modes where he's difficult to work with, or he's, you know, he's not as autonomous. It's, it's an autonomous thing where he's not, you know, spreading the love around and, and taking the, I don't know. Like it's impossible unless you're inside of those doors or, or, you know, they're a deeper investigative dive to know exactly what's going on. But the number of people leaving, and as we talked about a little bit earlier, maybe not being promoted from within, maybe elevated, they'd rather go elsewhere, puts up a red flag for me. I, I'm concerned. I now, I, I don't know. Like, ultimately, Howie's still here, so I don't think it affects anything in the interim. But the, you know, a year or two down the line is when you really want to start looking at this. Hey, Rob, I, I don't think Howie was uh, humbled by the Chip Kelly uh, fiasco. I think he was embarrassed. Um, because, yeah. you know, his buddy, Jeffrey Lurie, allowed Chip Kelly to dictate on, on jettisoning uh, Howie out of there. Um, and I'm, that really, you know, whenever I think about it, it surprises me that, that Jeffrey gave Chip Kelly that type of power. I don't think Howie did anything right or wrong to get shoved down the hallway. I think... I think Jeffrey was so enamored with Chip Kelly and his college prep pedigree and his new wave offense and all that stuff that he got caught up in himself and to basically told Chip, Chip, whatever you need, I'm willing to do it. You know, and when Chip took that team to the playoffs the first two years, after that team was abysmal the previous year, it basically just proved what Jeffrey was hoping that Chip Kelly is the, is the is the mind of the future that we need for this organization. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it spiraled out of control to where Chip Kelly thought he had more power than he really should have to the point they finally fired him before his final season was over in Philadelphia. But the fact that Jeffrey Lurie turned on his buddy, Howie Roseman, for a few minutes, that was shocking in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I was blown away. I mean, frankly, and but what I think, Gunner, the fallout from that – is I almost feel like it's it's a Teflon situation now because Jeffrey regrets the way he handled that. And even if Howie's really struggling, which we've seen him, he's shown the ability to bounce back pretty quickly. Right, right. But I feel like it's almost like no matter what happens, he's not going to do that again to his guy. It just sort of feels that way. I know people will cite, hey, he got rid of Joe Banner or whatever happened with Joe Banner. And he got rid of Andy Reid, so he will do it. But Man, it almost feels like there's a tighter bond there with Howie than there was even with anybody else. Well, I think, I think he's earning it right now, though. That, that, yeah, that's the difference right, between then right, and before. Right. He's done enough now that he's earning he's earning his keep. So, I, I Howie, like it or not, and and I and and I do like Howie. I do like him. Um, I like the direction he's going. He's learned from his mistakes. Hopefully, he's shown that he's learned from his mistakes. He's drafted where he needs to draft it. Um, the SEC is now his friend. He's no longer going to Big Twelve players anymore, you know. So, you know, it, to me, he's made the turnaround. So, me, I gotta, I gotta give him his kudos for what he's doing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I've, I've already thought that he was a good guy going into free agency. You know, he's he's a master going to free agency and getting things done. You know, he's he's proven it again this year. We're bringing in, um, you know, the the players he's got this year. But you know, as far as the draft, these last two years. You got to give it to him. You got to you got to say, "Hey, how you did your thing? You did it." Yeah, I agree. And it's 
I mean, the draft night, because A.J. Brown's included, I mean, I don't know if anybody did more to help their team around the league, honestly. And I know you had two picks. The other thing you did was you traded back or traded away one, and you have two for next year to ensure yourself if the quarterback situation doesn't work out. Like, they're set up pretty nicely, even in going into next year. But, yep. you know, ultimately time's going to tell here with what's happening with this team, that's for sure. Well, I think a true testament of what Jeffrey thinks of how he has given him a three-year extension. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, Which just happens to the time out with the um, – yep. It times out with the uh, with with the coach's uh, <coughs> contract, also. You no know, doubt. Yep, absolutely. No yep. Doubt. All right, let's step aside. We come back. Uh, we had Andy Reid on yesterday, and Andy Reid had some interesting th- things to say on a couple of fronts here, guys. We're going to hear from Andy on Jalen Hurts, what he thinks about him, on his approach to sort of the changing times and evolving as a coach, on the Philadelphia fans and some of the players that played for him and how special that bond is and that relationship that he has with them. So we'll do all that when we get back. He is Barrett Brooks. He is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, so I know this is always a confusing time. You don't know quite who to trust when it comes to your finances. It can be scary, right? And and you, you know, you're looking around and you see the commercials, but whatever. Look, I got the person for you. Trust me. And, and I was as lost as anybody when it comes to this stuff. I reached out and I talked to my guy, Jim Murray, with Principal Financial Group, and he took care of me. He showed me the, the way, if you will, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review. You might have a small business and you're trying to set up your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Look, for me, I entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be happier. Things have worked out and he's there to explain things each step along the way which is huge if you're not an expert in the financial world. You can give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751, or simply email him, murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L dot com. on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that you Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Sports take. D Gun, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis on this Wednesday, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. And smash that like button, friends. We see all of you in the comment section. We appreciate you hanging with us, everyone streaming, everybody listening. Always, always good hearing and seeing you, that's for sure. And and, and look, we're uh we're having a lot of fun. And we're and we uh we're we've been very fortunate uh thus far. And we want to keep bringing you this kind of content to have some really good guests. And we, we, we showed you a clip from Howie Roseman, who we had earlier uh, on the show uh, a couple of weeks back. We had Andy Reid on yesterday and we hit him with all, uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, what really impressed me guys first off was he was really loose yesterday. Like we, you know, we're accustomed to Andy Reid, uh, you know, injuries and got to do a better job at, at the podium, but he was in a real relaxed way. And I think that was, uh, it was fun to see that kind of different side of Andy. <laughs> You know, like I, like I've told you guys before, um, in the time that I've gotten to know Andy Reid, um, when he gets comfortable around you, he opens up, and a lot of people don't get to appreciate the quick wit and the humor of an Andy Reid. Um, he doesn't let his guard down around too many people, and I would go back and forth with him about, dude, you should be more candid at the podiums. He won't do it. He'll never do it. He that's not. He's ah, that's not what that's for. Yes, yeah, but Andy. I said, I told him at one point, I said, you know, I can almost quote verbatim uh, answers that you're going to give when they ask you certain questions. And he told me, good, at least you're paying attention. And I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? You know, but he, he doesn't care about that. But you're right. On the format when we had him on yesterday, you know, and he asked, he had asked me, who are you on with? I said, you know, former Eagle, you know, Barrett Brooks and, and Rob Ellis, who's radio host in his market, good guy, been around forever. And, um, you know, he know he's known me forever. Hmm. And he and that's the side of Andy Reid that a lot of people don't get to see, man. Um, Andy Reid doesn't miss anything. I can remember one time, not one time, and I wasn't the only one who was a victim of this. But when Andy Reid coached here, when you would go to training camp or when you would go to his practices, he did not allow the media. He didn't want the media leaning up against the walls. Or, you know, when you had Lehigh, you know, it had the telephone post out on the field. He didn't want the media. He would be out there coaching, you know, full contact drills. He would send Derek Boyko or one of his PR people over. And, hey, Gunner, Andy just saw you leaning up against the post. I'm like, how are you going to – you got 25,000 people out here. You got 100 <laughs> media people out here. And uh, how many players that you're worried about? Yeah. How I mean, many you, players? You could lean or sit. You couldn't sit. Now, I will tell you another story, and, and I would never tell, ask Andy to tell this story, but there was, a, there, was, there was a female reporter who came out one day in the biker shorts, you know, the real short, tight shorts. Yeah. 
Andy sent Boyko over to and said, hey, Andy said, you can't wear those in practice anymore. I'm not kidding you. I don't know how. And, dude, it was a day when the sidelines were full, the crowd was full. How he saw this is beyond me. But wow. Boyko comes over. You know, he tells the reporter, you know, that. And that reporter took it in good stress. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. And Boyko comes over to me, he goes, Nigga, he goes, this is not part of my job description. And I said, dude, I'm dying laughing because in all the years that I've covered football, gone to training camps, I had never seen or heard a PR guy go over to a female reporter and say, Hey, your attire is not appropriate for this practice session. Mm, man. Yeah. But that's I mean, well, you, got guys, you got guys working out. I mean, huh? you know, players are yeah, human. They're gonna look. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he didn't want his players distracted. Um, but the fact that he cared about the media leaning up against the walls or leaning up against the telephone pole while they're standing on the sideline watching practice, I thought it was a little far-fetched for me, but that's Andy. And you know what? And so a couple of times I did it on purpose. And Boyko, Derek Boyko would tell me, really, Gunner, you really want me to tell you? I said, D, I did it on purpose just to see if he saw me. And he goes, dude, does he, does he ever miss anything? I know he doesn't. He right. never – even today, sixty-six years old, he doesn't miss anything. Yeah. Well, That's you know, the good thing about yeah, you're right. The good thing about him, like when I did come back, even when I was playing for other teams, um, it wasn't like I, I couldn't go to the to the Eagles organization and ask, you know, hey, can I get a couple of tickets here and there? And they said, Oh, I gotta ask Andy. And Andy, when they asked Andy, he'd never have a problem with it, even though I was on another team. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um the year they went to the Super Bowl. And we got knocked out by uh, New England. I asked the uh, Eagles organization, hey, can I get a couple tickets? You know, I'm going down. You know what I'm saying? And they could have been like, no, you know, because I had just kicked their ass, you know, early mm -hmm. in the season. They could have been like, no, uh -uh, no. But they were gracious enough to give me tickets. They saw me around his guys. He didn't say anything, you know. But, you know, it's just he cares about what his guys are doing and how they're conducting themselves. But he didn't care if you're not doing anything. He, If he trusts you, he trusts you. If he doesn't. He'll be on you. I know that for I know that much. Hey, remember when he made uh George Hegeman push that sled? Oh, oh yeah. Messing up in practice. It's a hundred oh, degrees yeah. out of Lehigh. And George Hegeman, I, I don't know what I can't remember what he did or did not do in practice. He was on the sled pushing the sled after practice. Andy could be and you know what happened. Well, hold on. What? You didn't say the, the big part. What he made him push that sled. Yeah. After practice. Yes. And then brought him in, then cut him. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I might have that. to fight Andy over that, bro. Well, the other that, that first year too, if you remember, Brian Finner and the former Villanova wide receiver ended up having a pretty good career with the with the Falcons afterwards. But home opener, season opener, ninety nine, uh, there was it was a winnable game. He has a ball that's thrown pretty well by Doug Peterson, if memory serves me, down the sideline, and it bounces off his hands, and it's an interception, and it kind of changed the game. He caught him, man. I think at yeah. that point he was still sending messages like, yeah. Like, yeah. Big time, Esta right? Establishing himself, yes. Yeah, so it was a little bit of a, of, of a different story for sure. All right, so I, I want, we had a bunch of different things I want to play for you guys, and let's react. But the, the first one is cut number one, Xander. We asked him about Jalen Hurts, naturally, and, and just the, you know, the the quarterback position in general and you know how big that second year with your head coach is. So here's Big Red on that. Andy, I got to ask you, you had two that stand out obviously are Donovan and Patrick Mahomes, but we're in a situation here in Philadelphia where we're going into the second year of Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. How critical is that second year from you guys getting to know one another the first year to the second year when you can really start to see things elevate like we saw with you and Donovan and Patrick? Yeah, Rob, I mean, it, listen, it takes time. I mean, normally it takes like four years before you kind of get in the 
get in the flow as a quarterback in this league uh, where you just feel like you have it all together and down. Um, so uh, they're in that process. Uh, the one thing that, that you've got there is a guy that's willing to work hard and he wants to be great. I mean, that's what he wants. I had a nice visit with him uh, after our game well, was the last year. And so he, um, you know, he, he sincerely wants to do well. And that's the start. That's the foundation. And, and with that, with the coaching he's getting from Nick, I mean, that's going to take place and everybody just has to hang with him. And, and Nick will deflect some of the stuff that you have to deflect uh, from the public until he, until he feels like he's grounded all the way. And then, and then he flies from there. No, that, that's it. I thought that was an interesting answer, especially the part where you got to give it like four years. I mean, we're all looking at this year as sort of make or break for Jalen. I think the organization may be too. We're not alone in that, by the way, but this I think you're four for him also though. Uh, is it year four or year three? Is it four? Yeah, four, this is year four. Okay. Um, yeah, look, I, I just found that you're right, Barry. I mean, maybe, maybe that is the case. I, I guess I was just thinking in terms of like being a starter, but yeah, that, that's, um, that's pretty interesting though, coming from Andy who's, who's lived it. Right. I mean, and he did, you know, shield a lot away from Donovan. I don't know if he had to do as much of it with Mahomes. It, it felt like Mahomes just, just exploded on the scene after sitting for a year behind Alex Smith, but yeah, it's it's a big time year for sure. Andy Reid is a quarterback's no, bullet. This is third year. They, they're right. This is third year. I'm sorry. Third this year. Yeah. Third year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andy Reid is a quarterback's bulletproof vest. Right. He will not let you openly just attack his quarterback, even if Andy thinks and agrees with you. He will never tell you that he agrees with you in terms of what your what his quarterback is or is not. He will always build up a quarterback. You know, people think playing that position is based on just athleticism alone. It's not. You have to have a certain confidence that you can play that position. You have to have people backing you to push you and to enhance your confidence to make you believe that you can play that position. That's what he did with Donovan. You know, Donovan, when he was a younger Donovan McNabb, you know, you remember, took a lot of shots, you know, and Andy Reid was there to, to to deflect a lot of the criticism. I think that helped Donovan become a better quarterback overall, more so than anything else. And there were t- there were situations when Donovan had a bad game and Andy, Andy didn't send him to the podium. He just told PR, don't send Donovan to the podium. Mm-hmm. You know, not this week. You know, for whatever the reason may be. And, of course, you know, PR would, would cover for him. Hey, you know, Donovan's rehabbing, whatever the case may be. Um, but – that, that's part of the respect also that a quarterback has for his coach. When you, when you do things like that for not just, I shouldn't say just your quarterback for any player and Barrett will attest to this. A player will run through a brick wall for you because of how you treat him and word gets out and a team will rally around their coach. You know, think about it outside of the Trotter incident with Andy Reed, when they were haggling over money and Trotter ended up going to Washington. Um, and and I, I asked you guys this yesterday, and I'm going to ask you again today. Name me a player, whether he was here 10 years with Andy or two years, that spoke negatively about Andy Reid. Because I, to be honest, I covered Andy his whole tenure here in Philadelphia, and I don't remember it. You know, and even with the Trotter incident, Trotter will admit, you know what, D-Gun, they were, 
that was more on me more so than Andy when they couldn't come to an agreement on what what Trotter should make. And you know, if you ask Trotter now, he'll tell you. You know, back then it was about I want to get my money. You know, I'm playing at a high level. I want to get my money. But Trotter will tell you, you know what, man, that was more on me than it was on Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah, Hugh Douglas is another guy, you know, one of our Hugh guests from, from last week who, who left. He went, went down, got paid in Jacksonville, but the, the grass isn't always greener, right? Yeah, and and yeah. he he came – both guys came back, which tells you all you need to know. Like, you you don't return to the organization if no. things really ended that poorly and you felt that that bad about Andy Reid. So. No, absolutely, Rob. And a lot of players will tell you that they took off because of money, you know, but they would go to other places. And when I would see them in the offseason, they would say, man – you know what? They don't do this for us. They don't do that for us. We have to buy this. We have to buy that. And they realize what they had here was Camelot in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, look I, at go ahead, back. When you look at it, um, I, I was sitting back thinking, you know, about how Donovan was and how Donovan is now. And he actually needed that, sh- you know, that that shielding from the media because absolutely, he's one, he's one of the most, you know, he he. He has thin skin, you know what I'm saying? He does not have thick skin. He has thin skin, and he probably needed that coddling and protection from everybody because of that, you know, and that's just being real because, you know, Donovan could be a little sensitive when it comes to, you know, what you're saying about him, you know. Right. I mean, even now, you know, you talk you talk to Donovan, he still has some stuff that he's pissed off about um, that happened to him. Yep. But I was thinking to myself, well, this, this, and this could have still happened to you, but you were kind of, you know – held under you know held under the blanket because Andy holds you a little closer than he did a lot of other players yeah so I mean this that just goes to show how Andy is you know I mean you say what you want to say about Andy he's a player's coach all the players I mean all the players that played under him will will, will go to war for him even now you know you could just tell by you know when we were D-Gun you saw it firsthand when we were out there at the golf event how the yep. players reacted to him how you know they talked about him you know they talked yep. about him yep. and you know the reverence they had for him still well, just just to your point, Barry Xander, let's have cut number three ready uh, because you, we talked about this with him yesterday, and just the special relationship that he has with his former players, and and how that bond even to this day, you know, continues, and it, it's really an amazing thing, and it's a testament to how these guys feel about him. You know, just just the way that they're even after all this time, and you think about it, I mean, he. Started here back in 99. You're talking about almost a quarter century at how long that he's been gone, you know, 30, 23 years, whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys, they still love him and and they're still that tied in with him. Um, you know, it's it's pretty amazing, you know, when you when you think about it. So this is a uh, uh, cut number three, Xander, is the one that, that I need for this one. So here's Andy well, Reid. Last, last week, I posted a picture uh, at a Brian Dawkins golf outing. Um, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of your former players, and you, you text me and you said, oh, you're special, right? And and I thought about it for a moment, and I'm looking around talking at, to these guys and that whole era. Do you sit back and think about the talent that you had in Philadelphia and how close you came so many times but never won at all because you have some incredible talent here in Philadelphia. I did. Yeah, no, very fortunate that way. And yeah, no, there was nothing more than you wanted to do than, than to win it. And I was, that's why I was so happy for Doug going in there and, and doing it. The city deserved it. And, you know, we kind of dangled it out there for a few years where uh, we were so close and I wanted it for the guys. I wanted it for the, you know, for the city. Um, 
I mean, it would have been a great, great celebration. Although I don't want to take anything away. The guys, they were phenomenal. And yeah. the things that, you know, the stretch that we had there uh, and that they had was, was uh, something that they've been able to build their lives around here a little bit. Uh, the way they handled themselves in the city. Now they've, they've got employment there and, um, you know, they were able to make a name for themselves. So it's been able to carry them. Uh, for a number of years and like you were saying in the text that they've had such great success yeah uh, which is which is neat to see all right so there's andy andy on that and that's yeah you're right i mean think about it barrett guys like you and i know you didn't play for him but you had a relationship with him at least but the amount of guys like reese you, you know comes to mind etc who are still in town still doing their thing and like he said employed in in, in the city so that's uh that's pretty cool man <clears throat> Andy, Andy is prouder that they've achieved success in life after football, I believe more so than what they accomplished as professional athletes. You know, Andy always talked about, you know, preparing yourself for life after the game. And when you look at the volume of players um, that have gone on to do such great things, look where John Runyon is right now, you know, in a high position in the league office. Brent Selleck is a real estate developer. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter is building condos down in the Dominican Republic for under underprivileged families. Donovan McNabb is successful. Um, it goes on and on. Hugh Douglas has his own radio show down in Atlanta now. Ike Reese is very successful in Philadelphia. Chad Lewis is successful out in, I believe he's in uh, Utah. Um, and there's so many stories of his players that have gone on and have made something out of themselves. And we hear the story all the time about 80% of a workforce ends up broke. And you look at the percentage of what his players are doing now. He takes more pride in that than he does of what they did for him on a football field. Yeah, well said. Well said. All right, I want yeah. to play this one for you guys, too, because to be around as long as he had, as I mentioned, you know, 23 years, whatever it's been consecutively as a head coach since 1999, is pretty crazy. So you always have to have that ever-evolving, you know, approach to things. And this is cut number two, Xander, uh, from Andy from yesterday. And again, if you missed any of these, you just go to our our go to Jacob YouTube Sports Channel um, and Sports Take, and you can find each and every one of these, including Andy and Howie and Chris Long and Brian Dawkins and everybody else that we have. But here's Andy on keeping up with the times. Coach, how you know? Has your philosophies changed much since um, leaving uh, Philadelphia and getting to Kansas City, and how you approach the game? No, not not much. I mean, I try to take care of the bigs the best I can, uh, both sides of the ball. Make sure you know if we can have a good, solid quarterback to have that in, in line. The the corners, I think, are important. You know, so um, I, I've kept with that part of it. Uh, the way I treat the players, I think, is very similar. We, the media is different now, uh, you know, Barrett, than compared to when you were in um, the game and when I got in. So it's uh, you've got to deal with with that. Everything, everybody's a, a reporter now. I mean, players right. are so everybody everybody has a voice, and so that part's a little bit different. But um, I, you know, we're going to have a new generation coming up here with the, the kids that. Are, are in college that are making money now. And, and so that's going to add another dimension to it. But um, 
I, I, you know, there's no portal here. I know that. So once you're in, man, <laughs> once you're in, I got you. I got it. <laughs> they, they look, but, they may. but it's, yeah, but it's a little different, right? It's, I mean, it's a little different, but you got to just, you got to keep, uh, uh, that whole maturation process. This thing's never ending. It's uh, you've always you got to keep growing. And once if you get stuck in your ways, you, you gotta you probably need to exit. Uh, that's because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like these kids may have to take a pay cut now coming to the <laughs> NFL. You know, we used to play around with yeah. that, but it might be true now. <laughs> Especially if they go to Kansas State. He <laughs> <laughs> oh! knew that was coming. Oh! Well, no, I mean he didn't even bring up the fact that I told him that you know I was a Missouri guy. <laughs> Coach yeah. Missouri against them. You know, he didn't bring that part. <laughs> oh, my God. See, the, the great part is, we were talking about this a little earlier, the, the fact that he remembers all of this. Like, no disrespect to Barrett, but that he remembers right. where you went to college is crazy. It's crazy that he knows that. You're muted, Barrett. You're muted. When I, when I came in, it was a great conversation we had. You know, we started off, everything was great until it went awry, and he said he wasn't signing me back. He was going in another direction. But uh, it was it was a great conversation. You know, he was talking about, you know, he liked what I did. You know, he he liked me as a player. Um, he said I was going to have some success you know, throughout my career. He said he was just going a different direction. Little did I know he was building, you know, two of the top tackles uh, that ever played the game, you know, with with Runyon and, 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 and you know, Trey Big Trey. Yeah. So, you know, you got, you know, you got those two pillars right there. You know, you don't need a guy like me. But yet and still, he still made a way for me, you know, and, and helped me out a lot. It just goes to show, you know, the conversation. He remembers the conversation. He remembered me. You know, and I didn't play a snap for him. But, you know, just that one conversation I had when I'm back in 1998, man, you know, it, it's, you know, he remembered it. You know, that's kind of crazy that he remembered it. Well, I, I think, too, he he's modest and humble. He's never going to brag on himself. But he has evolved in a big way. I mean, he he is he's incorporated a lot of the college stuff, a lot of the RPO stuff. Um, and, and he's – He's never going to be a guy who's accused of just kind of living in the past. He, he is always cutting edge here with his offense and what he does. And he, I think he plays to his players' strengths. Well, look at what he did with his offense in Philadelphia. He went, he ran a traditional West Coast offense. You know, they drafted Donovan McNabb because they felt Donovan was a West Coast offense type quarterback. He goes to Kansas City and is very similar to a Baltimore Ravens offense in terms of you draw the plays up in the dirt. You know, you look at the two quarterbacks – you know, the, the difference in the two quarterbacks, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes is more of a free spirit type quarterback. So the offense is geared more to let him get out and do his thing more. Look at the throws that he allows Patrick Mahomes to make. You know, how many times have we been wild by Mahomes underhanded? No luck. No luck passes. You know, if Donovan had done that, Donovan would have been sitting on a bench. Donovan wasn't right. that kind of quarterback. But he identified that the fact that they moved up to take Patrick Mahomes in the draft, he had already identified that we can do certain things with this kid that maybe some other people don't see. Um, and, and Andy, and Andy, and Andy is, is, is good at one thing that we overlook sometimes, surrounding himself with the right people to make him relevant. Look at his coaching tree in Philadelphia. Look at how many of those coaches went on to become head coaches in the National Football League. Look at his coaching tree in Kansas City. The one guy, which is a travesty, that he has now become a head coach is Eric Bieniemy. The fact that Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach in the National Football League right now is a travesty, you know. And Bieniemy is going to get his 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 chance one of these days. But Andy Reid is so good at putting people around him that make him look better and keeping him in tune 
with what's going on in his locker room. Yeah, his coaching tree is pretty strong for, yeah. for guys that are at, including Harbaugh, who's won a Super Bowl, et cetera, Doug. Uh, all right, so lastly, uh, he was asked about the fans. And, of course, when you're here for as long as he was from 1999 to, to 2012, there's going to be good, there's going to be bad, et, et cetera. But here he is. Here's Andy uh, talking about – this will be cut number four, Xander. This is Andy Reid uh, talking about, you know, look, the, the relationship that he had with Philadelphia, with the fan base, and, and just his thoughts on the fans. Here you go. If, if you could finish this sentence for us, Philadelphia fans are, how would you finish that? I'd say great. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd also tell you they're well-educated in the, in the sport. Um, I always felt like they were on the same page as the coach. If you stunk, they let you know it. Just like you had let, just like you were feeling. If you did well, they were all in. Just like you were feeling as a coach, and um, and so and they were they were honest with it. They uh, they didn't they didn't hesitate to voice their opinion. I, I lied. Last one. How would you describe Derek Gunn as a reporter? That, that, that is really the last one. We what? we need to hear this, Andy. We know it's a dissertation. Yeah, no, now. listen, listen, man. I mean, he's like my homie now because he came out to my my house, you know, and you got to see the neighborhood there and, and all that. So um, I didn't get to treat him to a Dodger dog. The Dodger stadium is right there. You know, but, um, but no, listen, Derek did it the right way. He, he was great with the players. Again, he wasn't afraid to um, ask a tough question, but he also understood, you know, there, there's some lines of personal lines there that you don't want to cross and, and so on, but I thought he did it the right way, or I wouldn't have come on the show. I would have told him to go eat those fish. Behind <laughs> the fishy, the fishy tells us he catches. Yeah, right, right, we, right. we won't, we won't get no, into that. He got those from the pro <laughs> shop. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That was good stuff, man. No, it was fun. It was fun catching up with him. We haven't had a chance to talk to him in a while, uh, you know, on a personal level, but uh, but a lot of fun to to catch up with Andy. Had, we had to get a little gunner zing in there at the end. You, you knew we weren't going to just let it go that easy, Derek. Oh, if you <laughs> wasn't going to do it, I was. So I, <laughs> I, just, I just hope you two learned a valuable lesson that you need to be more like D-Gun. That's no, all I'm telling you. Third, we haven't had third-person D-Gun in a while. Oh, hey, I'm since glad you called me that. Since your cold kicked in, we haven't had D-Gun third-person in a bit. Hey, dude, it's the meds, man. I'm telling you, I, I mean, man, the meds and these crazy dreams I'm having, man. Uh-huh. I'm waking up in cold sweats and I'm laughing. Anytime I have a dream and Barrett's involved in a dream, I know I got to get off these meds real quick. <laughs> right. That, that's a <laughs> sure sign. That stuff has issues. me all messed up, dude. I'm telling you. I hear you. All right. So we come back. We'll uh, we'll revisit some Phillies. We'll certainly talk some Sixers as well. A little later in the show, we'll get into the NBA and what, ha- what was happening last night and the blowouts continue. Tonight, we got a game five between the Celtics and the Heat. We got all kinds of things in store. You don't want to go anywhere. Barrett Brooks, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. All right. I want to tell you about my good people here because this is key. This is something that you want to always be ready for. Okay. Or, and if you're experiencing it now and you don't know what to do, I get you covered. It's Pro Action Restoration. If your home, your business, if, if you experience any kind of issues with water damage, with fire, smoke, mold, you name it, to your property or your building or something, a place that you own, whatever the case may be, they're there to help. They're there 24-7. And, and I experienced this. I called them. They were out to my parents' house quickly. They cleaned it up. It was a mess. Trust me when I tell you this. I thought the house was going to be just permanently damaged, but because of the job that they did, it was not. They cleaned the place up. The crew was professional. 
and the price was very reasonable. They're licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will also work in conjunction with your insurance company, which is gigantic. Whether it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call at 610-623-3760, or you can reach out to them, ProActionRestoration.com. on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Come on, fellas. Am I the only one? All right, I'm the only one. It looked like that inflatable that I had in that dream. (laughs) (laughs) The inflatable is a better dancer than I am. So welcome back in, everybody. Sports Take, Rob LSD Gun, Barrett Brooks. All right, let me ask you guys. I'm going to pose you this question, okay, regarding the Sixers and specific to Joel Embiid. Should he be untouchable? Whoa. Yes, yes. 
<clears throat> so yeah. you're not even listening if the phone rings no. when it comes to Joel Embiid. No, 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 no. You invested a lot in this man. He is recognized as the best center in the game, right? Right. Why well, would... we, we recognize him that way. Some might no. say Jokic because he got the MVP. But, I don't yeah. care. Hey, look, every time I, I see a basketball broadcast when the Sixers and all run, pro. And I'm not talking about when local television broadcasts Sixers games. When they're on national TV, the announcers always refer to him as he is best, the best big man. I should say big man, best center in the game today. Why would you give up the best center in the game today? Because that means whoever you get is not the best center in the game today. So I would build around him. You got to keep building around him. You got to give it at least two more years to build around him. Now, they've had some setbacks. And as we've talked about, they have to change some of the complexion of the pieces around him. But to me, he is the only untouchable on this roster. All right, Barrett. I, I See, I'm listening on anybody. I, I'm at least having – I'm not hanging the phone up on anybody. The, the The reason I would consider it, I don't, I don't want to move Joel Embiid. Let me be clear. But the reason I would consider it is simply put, he can't get to the finish line health-wise. And every year he's breaking down and falling apart. It's not his fault. I'm not blaming him. It's just the reality of it. That's why I would listen because I don't think he's going to be able to, to play really uh, even into his like 32, 33-year-old year. I just don't know if he's going to be able to hold up physically. Well, I mean, I think things have changed in how he has approached the game. Um, he's, like it or not, he's more healthier than he started out his first three or four years. He is healthier. He makes it through. He made it through the entire season two years in a row. But you know, at the end, you're right. He fell short mainly because of um, injury reasons. But I mean, injuries are going to happen all the time. You know, I mean, no matter who the player is, it's going to happen. And you know. I mean, like his his order bone is, is is a freak injury, late in the game, which he shouldn't have even been in the game. Um, you know his 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 you know a hand. You know those are all things that, it, I mean, it just happens to players. You know, but I understand what you're saying. But you know, you just look at guys like Jokic. I mean, is Jokic a real center or is he a stretch forward? I mean, they could have made the All NBA team. He should have been the number one on the All NBA team. But they chose to make uh, Jokic the 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 center instead of making him a stretch forward, which I think is a travesty. That's why they put the rule there for him to be, uh, you know, for for him to you know Jokic to be a stretch forward and Embiid be uh, a number five, you know, a, a, a true center. I don't. I have a problem with them, you know, not putting him in that, you know, in that that first team, even though he was second in, in MVP voting. How is he not on the first team, bro? Well, yeah, so let, let's go there for a minute. So in B, what Barrett's referencing, if you didn't see it, Joel Embiid was named second team all M- NBA. So you had um, Jokic, Giannis, Luka, uh, Tatum, and Booker were yeah. the first team. Embiid second team. Uh, was Durant second team? Yeah, Durant I second so. team. Yep. Um so I just – John Morant, Steph Curry, uh, and DeMar DeRozan made up. The third team is Chris yep. Paul, Trey Young, LeBron, Siakam, and Carl Anthony Towns. There's a, there's a weird disrespect for Embiid, um, and I'm not sure exactly what it is. I, it, you know, they, they, you're right. They changed the rules where it doesn't just have to be a center, two forwards, two guards. It doesn't work that way yet he still didn't get in. 
Now, is it hard to argue Jokic, Giannis, Doncic, Booker, Tatum? Yeah, but would I bump Embiid for one of them? Uh, one of them for Embiid? Yeah, I, I would. I would actually bump Booker, but I know, you know, it's not going to – they want to have like a two guards and three forwards. I don't know, whatever. But he doesn't win the MVP. He's not on first-team all-defense – or not on first- or second-team all-defense, and he's not on first-team all-NBA. So is it is this just – you know, Philadelphia fans or people who cover the team? No. Looking at this a little bit closer, is there something a little bit more to it? I'm interested to see what, what you know, the panel from, um, you know, from, from you know, Charles Barkley and them. I, I can't wait to see what they say about it. TNT, you know, yeah. TNT, I, I mean, it's to me, it's a travesty because you can't tell me he's not a top five player when he's second as far as MVP. That means you're one of the top players when you're in the discussion for MVP. So how do you make it to the second team? That's a some, That's ridiculous, man. Some believe there might be a process backlash. I don't know if a good digs that deep. I, I don't know, but it does seem strange to me that he's not, uh, you know, getting these kind of honors. Is it the end all be all? No, but it is strange. Like we're talking I, about the we're talking about the scoring. He won a scoring title. Right. He won a freaking scoring title, and he's not all NBA. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And they don't take into account the complete game, as far as I'm concerned, with the MVP level, because Jokic doesn't play the same. Ah, da, da. Ah, da, not even close. Not even. I close. think you, I think it's a I think it's a hatred for Philadelphia. That's mm-hmm. what I think it is. Conspiracy theory. I'm going yeah. out there. I'm putting it on a limb. I yeah. think it's just a hatred for Philadelphia. Um, when you look at this game at both ends of the court, when he's out there, he gives you 100 percent every night. Um, I, I would not like to see them move move him because you don't know what you're going to get back in return. You think you're going to get primetime players. Um, but how many players would you get back? If you're only giving me two players for Joel and B, I'm not interested, you know, because I've got to make up his productivity on the court uh, somewhere. If you're bringing in shooters, then you're weakening your defense. If you're bringing in defensive specialists, then you're weakening your offense. Um, there's, there's not many centers in the game. They play both ends of the floor like Joel Embiid. Most of them have a certain, let's say, strength. They're either dominant scorers or they're forced on defense. Very few have a combination of the two. Um, So that's why I said, and I'll I'll reiterate, why would I want to give that up? If I still feel now, okay, he's had the health issues. You You can't knock the man for taking a shot to the cheek. You know, Doc Rivers talked about the guy's holding the ball in practice and he can't even grip it with his thumb. His thumb's just dangling there. That's not his fault that happens. It's just a bad stroke of luck. But at some point, at some point, this man is going to be able to play an entire season. You got to spin that roulette wheel and hope hope that it's within the next couple of years that that happens for him. I've, I've invested a lot in him. I've built this team around him. I understand that we have to get better in certain areas. And in order to do that, I want him in the middle of it. I don't want him not here. All right. So what are you, I'll pose this to you, Derek, first. What are you doing to make significant upgrades on this roster? What Aside from, I don't mean little tweaks, like Harden's going to be back or whatever. What are you, what are you doing to try to get this team to the finish line? They can't get past the second round. You need another sharpshooter. There's no question about that. You got to get tougher mentally on defense. There's no question about that. 
I think those are the two vital areas. I think if you can find two players and delete two players, I think that helps the product overall significantly. Um, you need, you need, look, a PJ Tucker is not a great score, but he can score greatly on a given night as we've seen, you know, but you need that kind of mindset. You need a, you know, a, a Draymond Green mindset that we don't count on you for 20 points a night. We count on you to do the dirty work that doesn't get noticed in the stat sheets when the game is over. That's what kind of mindset they have. They have too many soft players. You need somebody to come in here and toughen them up. You know, somebody who's not afraid to come in here and get in people's faces. Hey, look, if I'm diving on the floor for a loose ball, you better get your butt over and help me dive for the loose ball as well. You see what I'm saying? So you need some, you need somebody who can get in players faces. I don't care about how much money you make. And we're trying to win a ring here, you know, and, and if you can't do that, then why are you here? I need somebody that can help me on the perimeter also. Now, if you're going to be stuck with James Harden, we know he can shoot from the perimeter. Get rid of some of the equation now. Find you another sharpshooter. You look at Golden State. They keep finding these kids all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they delete. They push out certain players. Who the heck was Jordan Poole? Well, th- that's where, 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 where did we hear Jordan Poole before? I think the most underrated uh, aspect of of professional <laughs> collegiate sports is development. Yes, and, and because I, I think a big part of it is you can get a guy in who could go either way, and you look at certain organizations and these guys just grow. And Golden State's one of them. Like Villanova's basketball program is, is just one of them. Yes, yes. Other places they just kind of wither away, like. You know, I look at certain guys on the like. Like, has Matisse Thibel developed with the Sixers, or has he gotten as he regressed? You know, like that things like that. I see, and and part of it I put on the player, and part of it I put on the organization, and that's something the Sixers have not done a good job at, and they need to look in the mirror about that because that's a major, 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 major problem. I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, it starts at the top. It trickles down to the coaching staff, and then it's on the player to take the onus upon himself to be a certain type of player for the team that I'm playing for. You talk about Thibel. I don't think he's gotten better. I don't think he's gotten worse. I think he is what he is and he will always be this player. I don't think he'll ever get better. I don't think he'll get any worse than what his game is right now. You know, um, I, I just think that he is not what you need. The, 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 the Eastern conference plays a much more rugged style of basketball than the West does. So you got to find, you know, people People uh, thought it was humorous when I said, you need to get you some professional thugs in here. And you do. You know, you look at hockey teams, they were known for decades for having goons on their team. You know? Yeah. You know, and a lot of times they were sent out just to stir up crap. Mm-hmm. You know? No, look, no Tucker, doubt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. B.J. Tucker goes into a game. He's out there to stir stuff up. Marcus Smart goes out there. He's looking to stir stuff up. Yeah. You know, hey, you, you need to like the stir the pot. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. You laugh at me all the time. My guy, Radko Gudis. You need your Radko Gudis on the team yeah. to go out there and mix it up. Yeah. I mean, he, yes. he, he's yes. an okay skater, but what he does is gives you that attitude on the court. I mean, on the ice. He, he get an attitude on the ice. Mm-hmm. When I played, you know, you need that equalizer. Guy that's going to go out there. We don't have that guy right now. We don't have it. The All guy right. that stirs the positive it just happens to be the best player we have on the team. And they're going to double and triple team him when you don't have a guy that can go out there and get him off of him. Give me a Dennis Rodman type. Yeah, right, you know, right. Dennis Rodman was crazy. 
but Dennis Rodman is going to give you 110% every time he steps on the floor. I don't and know. He, and he wasn't afraid to go toe-to-toe with any player. Didn't care how big he was. That's what kind of player you need with this organization or players. You may, need, you may need more than one to come in here. Let me ask you also about the Doc Rivers situation, and here's what I mean by that. The Sixers and Daryl Morey said he's our guy. Doc says he wants to be here. You know, you're thinking, all right, that's the end of that. The Lakers still haven't hired a coach, and there continues to be reports that are put out that they haven't given up hope. This is the way this stuff has been kind of phrased, that they haven't given up hope that Doc will be their coach. Where there's smoke is their fire. Is this just, you know, agent driven? Is this like what? What is the purpose of this? This stuff that, that all this is still being put out there, and do you buy that it could end up going that direction, or do you think he's locked in as the Sixers coach? Hey, if he wants to it. go, if he wants mm-hmm. to go, let him go. You know. <laughs> uh, well, I agree with that, but I'm, I, I would, I would I hope that's the way it goes. Should the, let me put it, put it this way: Should the Sixers? Just say, hey, look, if it's going to get us out of the last three years of this deal, he's all yours. Or should they hold up the Lakers for compensation because he's still under contract? Hold him up for compensation. No question about it. If the Lakers want him that bad, what are you willing to pay to get him? If you think Doc Rivers is the guy to get your team back to the promised land, well, how are you going to help us? What are you going to give us? But I look at that Lakers roster right now and outside of, you know, LeBron, very much on that Lakers roster I want. They gutted that team and thought they could bring in all these 30-plus guys last year. Yep. Um, and look how, look, at, look how much of a disaster that turned out to be. There's not much of the roster I want right now. But how can you help me? Get, draft pick? What yep. are you giving me? You know? Lakers, you know, I haven't studied their roster as much. They may have a couple guys that are roll up your sleeves and go to work type guys. They yep. might have those enforcers that we need. I, you know, I'm not sure. But – if the Sixers identify that they got a couple of tough guys that we could use over here, go get them. Doc, nice having you. If you need me, I'll help you pack. Be on your way. What's your sense, Bear? At this point, I, I, I think we have deficiencies as far as players. I think we have deficiencies as far as coaching. Um, because of that, I, I mean – just give me one give me one side that's good. You know what I'm saying? Whether you go out and get the players we need or whether you go out and give me the coach I need. But I need one of those two facets to be solid. Until one of those two facets is solid, we're just going to be chasing our tail because we don't have enough on the offensive side to do anything other than what we did this year. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like It feels to me like there's going to be tweaks. Right. You know, they, like, they, like there's going to be little moves here and there. They're going to, hey, we got, we did get a shooter to come off the bench, and you know, this we got brought this guy in to come off the bench and improve the rebounding a little bit. And ultimately, in the end, you're coming back. You're essentially running it back. Same right, coach, right. same five. Like, do you really think you're going to get past Milwaukee or Miami or Boston or these kind of teams, Brooklyn? And I'll get into Brooklyn in a second. Doing that, no. You need something a little bit more significant. Well, all right, so significant. If you brought in another coach, can another coach take you to another level with the same running back team we have right now? Um, no, I think it needs to be in conjunction with personnel too. You know, I, I guess I'll, I'll say that in Doc's defense. I don't think they're good enough, but I also don't think he's helped them a ton either. Right. You know, try, trying to overcome 
some of the deficiencies that they have. So I think a coach would help a couple games here and there, but I maybe get out of the second round, but ultimately they're not good enough roster wise to get beyond that. I'm looking at the Sixers roster right now and outside of maybe four or five, I'd gut the whole team. I'd gut, I'd <laughs> yeah. gut this team. All right. All right. Here, you, all right. Embiid. Yep. Uh, no question about that. So yep. Tyrese Maxey. Yep. No question about that. Uh, look, I, I could argue let Harden go, but whatever. That's Harden, not going to happen. No, it's not. It's not. Tobias. No. Yep. Think about it. What else? That's what I'm saying. You can gut the whole team. You think I'm joking? No, I don't. Gut the whole team. Yeah. You know, there's going to be enough guys out there in free agency you should be able to look at. Mm-hmm. And get some decent players to come in here, some fresh legs to come in here. All right, well, let's not let's not look at it that way. What player? Let's look at it. What players need to be out of that locker room this year? I know De. I'll start off with DeAndre Jordan. Yep, he's got to be gone. I think um, Danny Green, even though he helped us in the playoffs, I don't think he has enough. I think he's aged enough that you know, and and well, and he's hurt. So and he's only got like one point five million dollars. Like he's gone. You're, so don't yeah. worry about that one. That one's gone. Yeah. Do you keep Furcon? No. He can kiss my grits. But, but yeah. He, <laughs> but the problem is, he. They, okay, Flo. Um, they. Uh, there's an old reference for you. They, right, uh, right, right, right. Uh, they gave they gave him a multi year deal. So. Uh, you know, I, I would throw him into a deal and just try and get rid of him at this point. Yeah, I agree. I would let him go. I would let DeAndre Jordan go. I would Millsap's going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, what about George? Niang's Niang. a really tough one. He's 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 a limited player. He helped them a lot. I think that knee injury hurt him in the playoffs. Um, problem with Niang is if he's not making shots, he doesn't do anything else. So I, right, he's but probably said, back. And you yeah. said you like Paul Reed enough to keep I, him around. I do. I would actually not spend on a backup center and bring him back as the backup center and use money elsewhere to try and help your team. But the, you guys are right. I mean, I guess, could you make a little case for shake Milton? Eh. I think you can shake. I think shake is done. Yeah. Enough. yeah he's, he's okay. And he's yeah. not costing a lot. I'm, I'm like, I'd be fine if shake Milton's back. I don't care. And he that. fights. Yeah. He showed he actually fights. in that last game, he was one of the few that showed heart. Right. I'll, I'll, right, I'll give him, right. give him a little props there. But beyond that, Thibel, bye-bye. I've seen enough. Well, Isaiah Joe, Isaiah Joe, maybe because he's cheap. He's making like one point five. Bye, he's bye, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. Well, Gunner's Gunner's doing the wave. Look, right, right, right. Any, anybody named Isaiah Joe, that's not a basketball name. Goodbye, <laughs> get out. Goodbye, you're gone. But uh, you know, Jeremy Butler makes a, a valid point, man. Losing Curry hurt us, bro. He did. Like or not, I hated that. I hated that. And I'll tell you what, in hindsight. It's just my thought. You could have made that deal with Thibel instead of Curry, and they would have taken it at that point. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, and you would have kept yep. that shooting, which they desperately, desperately needed. That was a big loss. Huge it was loss. You know, Huge. I would, I would even keep Danny Green. You know, Danny Green. I, I would keep him one more year. I wouldn't. You know, he's, he's probably not going to play with that. Oh, no. Oh, no. The severity of that knee. I'm but, saying yeah. if he if he was healthy, healthy enough, I'd keep him. Yeah. Uh, I think he's not. He's not an overly talented player but he's a gritty player yeah yeah you know he's a decent de- defender also right i would have i would have kept him i mean, I, I mean underrated I 34 yes under even at defense. even at 34 he was an underrated defensive player yeah let's see who's charles bassey goodbye <laughs> <laughs> now here's here's another here's another one 
Charlie Brown Jr. from St. Joe's. You got to go. Well, you, you got to go. Let me. I, I'd rather have Linus. You go. Let, yeah. let me give you. I mean, that was too easy. It's too easy. I, I, I was going to go Snoopy, but that was even worse. Um, but I'll tell you the the thing we don't talk about too. Jaden Springer, who they drafted in the first round this year out of Tennessee, never saw the light of day. Nope. And we don't even talk about that. Like, where's your contribution from your first round pick? We just accepted that he played the G League all year and, and he, he's not even worthy of being on the roster. I forgot all about it. I know. Exactly. We don't even, we never talk about that. Wow. It, it, it's crazy. Like, that's not, it's not acceptable. I don't care that you're not picking in the top four. Like, you got to get somebody, find maxi types. Find these guys who are a little bit later who could contribute to you and, and, help. And, there, and there was room for Springer to get some run this season. There was, there was plenty 100%. of room, plenty of room for him to get a, get some run. That wouldn't have hurt this team at all to find out what he is. I mean, yeah. your first round pick, if you pick in the first, if you picked in the first round, you must have some ability to play at this level. They didn't even get a kid a shot. Nah. You know, which yeah. tells you what they think about him right now. I mean, I understand yeah. the emergence of Tyrese and you had Hart. You know, no, you didn't get Hart until February. So you yeah. had plenty of time to find out what this guy was. You know, uh, who else who else we got? Millsap, he's 37. You've Goodbye. been here too long. Um Goodbye. let's see who we got here. Um Miles Powell. Who? <laughs> <laughs> who? I hear you. I, 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 you're not, I'm not putting a roadblock up for any of this, man. Like, let's go passing, pass and go. Like, hey, look here, man. I'm a samurai warrior, man. I'm, I'm, I'm weed whacking everything that moves on this team. Machete time. Yeah. So all right, I so said, four or five players. That's it. Let me hit you with this. There's reports out of Brooklyn that Durant hasn't spoken to the Nets front office since the season ended. They've reached out. He's unhappy. I, apparently doesn't love being a teammate of Kyrie's. And they may be uh, trying to get Kyrie on the sh- on the uh, shopping block. A- any of this surprise you? No. Uh, how does this shake out in Brooklyn here? And 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 Ben's there too. So add that fun to the mix, bro. That team right there is gonna fall right apart, man. Yeah, it feels they... it feels like that's very combustible right, right now. Like that's right. ready to just go up. You know, match, drop it in, and pull. you. What what are the what's the what are the chances that that Ben plays next year? I, I, I Barrett, until I see it, I don't believe it. I, I, I have to see it to be to buy into he's going to play. Now, I, he loves money, and he loves the lifestyle. Can he pull this off again, what he pulled off this year? I don't think he can continue that, but I need to see him on the floor. The bigger question for me is, is he a net? I think they might wheel him, too. Yeah, yeah. For Absolutely. what? What are you going to get for him? <laughs> What are you going to get for Ben Simmons? I love that Gunner isn't hiding that he's eating during the segments anymore. It's great. <laughs> hey, I'm, ver- uh, I'm versatile like that, right? I know you are. Uh, what are you going to get? Well, there's been a lot of talk that Atlanta wants him. Maybe Atl- I don't think Trey Young, but I'm saying maybe Atlanta gives you some of their pieces and they move them to Brooklyn. I, I think if, I think Brooklyn's found out, like, this guy doesn't want to play basketball. Right. If, if you look at the chemistry on Atlanta, and they're one or two, they're one or two pieces away from being legit. I like their athleticism. I like how they get up and down the court. I like how they complement each other. If I own Atlanta Hawks and my general manager traded for Ben Simmons, you're fired today. You're out. Yes, you're I'm hot as fish grease. You know, I don't want – I don't even want Ben Simmons in my state. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons will end up playing in the Australian Kangaroo League before he comes back to the NBA. I'm with you. I don't <laughs> – and especially want no you're trading for that contract with the I amount no of money that he's owed, man? No. 
No, I don't want Oof. no parts of Ben Simmons. I'm sorry. Yeah, what a mess. I don't need I don't need a head case in my you know think about it. Look at the Atlanta Hawks last year and this year. They're an exciting team to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they can't get past the second round, but you know, they, like I said, they're one or two pieces away down there. But I like what I like that nucleus they have. Why would you disrupt that and bring in a head case like Ben Simmons? I, I yeah, I'm with you. I, I but I don't know. That's quite an admission by Brooklyn if you're trading them already. So that that's the part. I mean, they gave up Harden for him. That's a it's a big time admission that quickly. That part's going to be to me you, very I, interesting. I'll tell you this: if you can't play with Kyrie Irving, I got to take a long hard look at myself in the mirror. You know, I don't know what he's like in the locker room, road trips, practices, but that man's one of the best ball handlers, creators in the game today. And the bottom line is, I want to play with somebody who gives me a chance to win. Now, Durant's upset because he's taking too many of Durant's shots. You know what? Get over yourself. The bottom line is you're trying to win something. But Kyrie Irving can play on my team any day, vaccinated or unvaccinated. Kyrie Irving can play on my team any day of the week. Uh, the only we, thing is, you know, we have a message. We have a message from somebody to, to somebody. Be nice. What does she mean, be nice? Be I that, am being nice. All right. See that, Derek? Hey, be, Trish, nice to, be nice hey, to Barrett and I. Hey, Trish, you won't feed me, so I'm eating paydays. While I'm working, honey. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the truth, man. I like I, I um I watched uh Kyrie on on this um on this podcast, not the pivot, but it's the um I am athlete. And just listening to him, I mean, what you see and what you you know, the stuff that's going on is it's it's truly him. I mean, that's who he is. He he has to be more aware of who he is before he'll turn the corner and be a better. He almost had to take the take the the road that Metal World Peace went through to 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 really calm down and be who he needs to be as a player. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's he's going through a spiritual journey. He's got so much stuff going on that it's going to be hard for him to really focus and and and, and be in a right mindset to be on a team and be a team player. That's the issue as a team player. Whether it's the Vax thing, whether it's he's fasting. You know, and he, and he has no energy towards the end of a game. Like it's it's a, it's little things like that that just happen during the course of the season that you never quite know what's going on with them. Right, yeah, and that's that, their their lives. It's not, yeah. I mean, not, it, it can't be a problem, or it can't be. You know, it really depends on. Yeah, where the team is. I hear you. I hear you. All, All right, right. Look, look at this. Yeah, playoffs. Kyrie Irving averaged twenty-one points a game, uh, five assists a game, almost two steals a game. Um, let's see what his regular season numbers look like. Uh, Kyrie Irving in a regular season, 27 points a game, four rebounds a game, six assists a game. That's all I care about. Can he produce on the court? Um, the problem is he's not on the court all the time. It's all right though. You know, since, since the uh, mandate has been lifted, you know, the, the mandate by New York has been lifted by COVID. So now he's back to being, he can be Kyrie again. Man, Kyrie, I'll put up I'll see, I'll put up with a head case like Kyrie, you know, to get to get where I need to go. Ben Simmons, that's another whole story. You know, Ben Simmons, you need to be in psychiatric evaluation. That's where he needs to be. Yeah, it's not uh not a great situation. All right, well, let's come back. Let's uh I don't know. I, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. We're gonna turn our sights back to the Phillies. Oh, oh. yes. La- uh, final segment. We'll do some NBA playoffs. We will uh a former NFL player wants to go by a different name. Uh, so name. do I. Yeah, what do you want to go by? <laughs> what? D-Gun. 
D gun piece. Metal world gun. Yes. So we'll see. I'll, I'll tell you who it is when we get back. He's got he's got a Philadelphia tie. That's all I'm going to say. There's a Philadelphia tie to the guy who wants to change his name. Derek Gunn or Meta World Gun. Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. I'm not, I'm not even going to read. I'm not even going to read some of the suggestions for the name change. Come on, man! You got to put it up. You got to put right. that up. Here we go. These are D, D guns need uh, name changes. Okay, number one. Hey, isn't that the guy from Canada? See, Randall. That's why you're in Canada with them corny jokes. Stay in Canada. Oh man, man. and countries. That is country. Funny. That is, that, that is funny. That is funny. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. What's the other one, John Dickinson? You, you, really, you, want, you really want these? You want these? All right, you got them, Derek. This is your choice, man. Oh, okay. my goodness. That's all we got. All right. Good. <laughs> there, 
All right, why don't I? So why don't we on that theme? I'll, instead of doing it later, let's do it. Later. <laughs> All right. So Ricky Williams, former NFL player. Uh, if you remember, Ricky was actually in the Phillies minor league system. Do you remember that at, at one point? Yeah. Yep. So, so great athlete all around. I didn't really have, you know, the pro career that, that many had thought in part because he kept getting suspended for weed, which you wouldn't be suspended for now. But anyway, that's the way it was. So he has legally changed his name to Eric Myron, M-I or Miron, M-I-R-O-N. So there, I, there's two. I there's thought it two. would be Acapulco Gold or something <laughs> like that. Sesame Inn or something. Pineapple like that. Express. Um, all right. So he's got. So there's two reasons for the. the, the well, the name. I'll explain both names. His real first name is Eric. Ricky was a nickname out of Eric. Okay, E R I C K is his real name. So that's not really that big a change. The last name is his wife's last name. So he took his wife's last name instead of taking William. So that's where. It was he. It, he said it was an astrology thing that made him feel at, at you know at more peace taking that name as opposed to Williams. So he's now goes by Eric Myron, Ricky Williams. If Your that thoughts? Dude, if that dude wasn't a second, if if he wasn't if he wasn't so zooted out every day, in the second coming of Snoop Dogg, this dude could have been a possibly <laughs> Hall of Famer. <laughs> he could have possibly been a a Hall of Famer in the NFL. I've George seen... W. Cush is pretty good. What's that? <laughs> George W. Cush. <laughs> I like that. I've seen I've seen the dude on some show, some recent uh, people's podcast. He's still he's still zooted up, man. You yeah. look in his eyes; it's like he's looking past you. He yeah. well, he he owns he actually owns weed dispensaries. Why yeah. am I not surprised? So what, does what? Megatron though? So does Megatron? Oh, and, and, and it's and it's um it's, it's, it's what is it um. Heisman, I think it's called Heisman. It's called Heisman, yeah, yeah. yeah Heisman. Heisman. Now, Water George gun, Water gun. I like that. <laughs> Water gun. Water gun. There you go. There you go. Pretty good. All right, so uh, we'll get more on that later. I ran it off the top of the show. I, I it was therapeutic. I actually needed it. it was helpful. Uh, about um, the your nerves are better now. Um, I'm not, yeah, I actually it did help. Like it, you know, people say like don't keep it bottled up, let it out. You feel right, better. Right, I, right. I, your, your your face is getting red again. No, I'm good. I, well, I'm not good, but I'm not as bad as I, I'm going to be red again. I'm going to be as red as that that 2008 flag behind me or my temple. See how my see how my wife turned me on like that water gun. You know what? We're gonna have a discussion when I get off this show. Yeah, man. She's on you today. You're getting I may not be here tomorrow. She's tough. I may not be here tomorrow. <laughs> you and your pay you and your paydays. Um so if you didn't see the Phillies last night, they took the, Bryce Harper hits it, it's a kind of an ugly game. Like Kyle Gibson wasn't great. The bullpen keeps you in it, although the, not everybody was great out of the bullpen without getting into, into a ton of detail here. But anyway. Phillies get a runner on. I think it was Bohm. Bryce Harper comes up in the top of the ninth, down a run, and hits a hits a moonshot off of Kenley Jansen. He destroyed yep. it. Okay. So at that point, Phillies go up 6 5. You know, everybody's juiced. You know, the whole dugout. I'm sorry. Five, you're right. 5 yeah, 4. Five, four. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Uh, they get up 5 4. So we come back from the commercial. I'm, I'm laying in bed watching the game. I'm watching that garbage Mavericks game, which we'll get into too. But, uh, and, and, it's Tom McCarthy, who, who was our first guest on the show, as a matter of fact, uh, and Ruben Amaro Jr. doing the game on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And Tom, you know, very innocently says, gee, I, 
you know, I wonder what's up with uh, Corey Knable. Maybe they don't want to use him three straight days. But Sir Anthony Dominguez didn't pitch yesterday. I wonder if there's some kind of injury issue or whatever. You know, and look, those guys aren't going to destroy the Phillies on the broadcast. They're just going to no, kind of no. ask their questions or whatever. But meanwhile, everybody is thinking the same thing in the Delaware Valley. Like, you're going with Nick Nelson for a second straight inning? And, you know, for really no good reason, right? So he comes out, and and this is how the inning unfolds. Dansby Swanson comes out and, and, and rakes a double to right field, hits it the other way, smokes it. Also, by the way, um, Jose Alvarez was available. Uh, he gets a double. Then Nelson throws a wild pitch while Ronald Acuna Jr. is up. Acuna Jr. hits one pretty well, which would have been, um, you know, you would have been able to probably score on it. It would have been a sack fly. Not probably. You would have easily scored on it. But So that would have tied the game anyway. However, Roman Quinn is drifting over. Nick Castellanos is drifting over. And you can just sort of see, uh-oh. And Castellanos kind of went like this. You can see they're both kind of calling it. Ultimately, that's the center fielder's ball, by the way. But nonetheless, it bounces in between them. Acuna Jr. isn't busting it out of the box, but he still gets the second base. Run scores, game tied. Acuna Jr. is on second base. Next batter, William Contreras, a light-hitting stop, catcher. Stop right there. Stop right there. Yes. yes. That, that's where I make a pitching change right there. That's it. Right yep. there. I got to bring in a different pitcher. There, that's where I fault Girardi. Yeah, that you let you let this dude stay out there continuously. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? It's a great question. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. If you guys get a chance and you want to go back later and just YouTube it after the the Swanson hit, Nelson is hanging his head like the body language is garbage, like he's already defeated. Yep. And and I'm and I'm watching it from how many you know miles away, saying, "My God, this guy's toast." The manager who's right there, who's got Albers up, just, you know, is, go, is like a robot, man. Well, they're righties, and and this guy hasn't had a day off, and there's just no thinking on so, your so, so where was So where was um where was uh, JT on this whole thing? If he sees the mannerism, why, why didn't he get up and go talk to him? You know what, Barrett? Fair, right? That's very fair. Where's the pitching coach just to at least, hey, dude, you know, settle right, in. Right, right. You know, you, you got to calm down a little bit here. Alvarado's up. He doesn't. So he decides. You know, let's keep rolling with Nick Nelson for some. Uh, and nobody talked. You're right. Nobody talks. <laughs> he getting frustrated. <laughs> here it comes. You can see it in my face. I, I, all right. So uh, we get to now. And now you know, Contreras comes up. Now, might, some people might say, might think he's Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. It's, it's his brother. So anyway, he comes up and he ropes one. It's a hit. Acuna Jr. scores easy. There's not an out recorded in the ninth. So after, you know, a, a, a great job by Harper, who carried them last night again, all washed away, they lose. Now, Jim Salisbury, who we had on yesterday from NBC Sports Philadelphia, and Todd Zalecki, who we had on not all that long ago, um, are both kind of just peppering Girardi with questions after the game. And Salisbury says, I know you don't like to go three straight days with guys, but, you know, did you consider maybe making an exception here with Canable? No, it's early in the year. Uh, he was down. He wasn't available. Okay. Well, what about Sir Anthony Dominguez? He didn't even pitch yesterday. Well, you know, he's been used in some high leverage situations and blah, blah, blah. You know, come to find out if you dig it, dig it up. He didn't pitch yesterday. Or he didn't pitch on Monday and he only threw 11 pitches on Sunday. 
So apparently that was too much of a workload for the guy. So he wasn't available. <laughs> okay. Like at this point, it's absurd. We've gotten so absurd in Major League Baseball with pampering these guys. And Girardi is like in the front of the line. He is he is the king of this buried in a binder analytics kind of thought process. And by the way, you want to keep saving bullets for later, for like July and August and September? You might be out of it by then. You could be 16 games out. Exactly. It, it, it's not early anymore. You've played 43 games, whatever <laughs> it is at this point. We're, we're Memorial Day weekend is this weekend. We have to stop saying how early it is. It doesn't mean you're out of it, but it's not early anymore. So you go through all of that, and, and he's just like a robot, man. It drives me crazy with him. So you lose the game, a very winnable game. You could have easily been up 2-0 in that series. Whatever happens tonight happens, you know, against Atlanta. And, and you know, you're coming out of there with a, with a series victory. But here we are. And you need the game tonight. I just, I don't get it, guys. Rob, this is what you're going to see <laughs> from now until September. I don't want you to pop a blood vessel before the summer gets here and you don't get to enjoy your family and your vacation. Um, there's too much baseball to be played yet, Rob. And I'm willing to give this team another month before I become Rob Ellis part two. You're driving me crazy. Because I'm 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 looking, I'm saying, you know what, Degon, um, how should you feel about this Philly situation? And Degon said, you know what? We have to have patience with this. You know, it's May. They're two months into the season. And it's a frustrating uh, product to watch right now, but there's still time. And I'm just telling you, Rob, there's still time that this team could turn it around and make a few head waves. And I can see it in July. Rob saying, you know what? The Phillies are first place. I knew they would be there all the time. I can just see it. I can envision it now. Degon has his vision, Rob, that you're going to have this smile on your face in July and you're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips, you know, as you sing the Phillies' praises. I know you're trying to incite me. I know you're trying to tweak me. It's I would not never work. do that. I would it's, never it's, do it's that. Not, it's never not going to work. I, I would not do that, Rob. It, it, I'm here it, to support you on all platforms. I, I Look, I guys, I am not a um, automatic go, the sort of default fire the coach and manager. I'm not. We had Jim Salisbury on yesterday. Uh, hey, it's, you, you, it's much more on the players. Okay, that's fine. Now I respect Jim's opinion. But – I've seen this for too long with Girardi. We're now in the third year of this. and or is it the fourth? Yeah, third year, I think. Third year of this, and I just can't see it anymore. And the other part of it is you had every opportunity in the offseason, if you were John Middleton, to extend him, to, 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 to Dave Dombrowski to extend him, and they haven't. To you me – You heard what he said, though. Dombrowski said, look, if I didn't support him, he wouldn't be – he wouldn't be the uh, the skipper right now. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know right there. That's fine. If he really supported him, though, I think he would have extended him. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just saying he's – Girardi's far from safe, man, because Middleton's patients have to be wearing thin, and he's gone over the luxury tax, and Dabrowski didn't hire him. I, I just think it's uh, – we'll see. Look, these upcoming games are huge. You get two more against Atlanta starting tonight, and you got Suarez and Nola on the mound. Then you go to New York for three. That's how you can make up some ground. So, you know, from a standings standpoint, guys, what we're looking at right now, Phillies are eight back. Phillies and Braves have identical records. They're 20 and 23. They're eight back of the Mets, who, Derek, you talked about it. Uh, they lost last night in right. a crazy one right. uh, to the Giants. Right. But they have been 
can, despite all they're dealing with, the Mets have done a pretty damn good job this year of overcoming. Um, and the Phillies have not, you know, it, it, the, the, the series wins for the Phillies are few and far between this year. Mm. And, you know, you look at winning streaks, guys, did you realize if you, if you exclude that little run, they went on the West coast where they won um, the last game in Seattle. And then the first three in, in, yeah, in, in LA. Dodgers. Yeah. Okay. You take that away. You know what their longest winning streak this year is? It's two games, <laughs> two games through 43. <laughs> I mean, is that not the definition of mediocrity? You're three games under 500 and the most, the longest winning streak with the exception of that one is two games. That's a good team. No, that's a team that's achieving how they should be with a payroll of 235 million. Well, there, there lies the problem. That's why Milton's going to be, he's, he's like, look, bro, I'm paying the extra couple million. You got, you guys got to give me something. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be some heat. There's some heat right now. On Dombrowski right now. It's definitely some heat. There's some breathing on his neck. Yeah, there is. And, hey, look, look, I've given you what I need to give you. That's mean it's going to be the same thing with Gannon. Uh-huh. All right, I've given you the oh, key. Oh, big time. Now it's time for you to drive. Let's go. I, I'm really curious. Just I, let's let's switch. Do you want to get less Philly and then I, I do want to yeah, pivot I, I to think, the Eagles because I, I can't think, take anymore. I think they <laughs> overestimated the pitching staff, not the starters, but the supporting cast in the bullpen. Yep. I honestly believe they overestimated. They felt it was good enough, um, and it hasn't been up to this point. I don't know if it's going to be for the remainder of the season. And unless you make a move, and uh, you make a move to show up your bullpen, you got to give yeah. up something. Then it could mess up your offensive chemistry as well. I think you know the shame of it is, Eric. They're really <coughs> wasting pretty good starting pitching in general. Yep, yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and Harper kind of just trying to carry on his own with with a banged up elbow. It's crazy. All right. So speaking of that, we've talked a lot about this. You know, the the the, the weird way the heat's going to fall on the Eagles. It's it's like Gannon and and Hertz and then Sirianni. The, what about Shane Steichen? Is 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 it that Sirianni is such because he calls the plays and he and he's so overwhelming? Because we didn't do this with Doug necessarily. Like if you remember. Mike Groh got a lot of heat for some of the things that were going on with the offense, right? Yes. Others did too. Shane Steichen is a name that's rarely ever even brought up. It's strange, right? Well, you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, you know what? John's right. They had a four-game sweep of the Rockies too. My bad, John. You're you're correct. Thank you for correcting. He's so fired up, he can't even see his numbers straight anymore. I know. I know. I know. That was that was my bad. Uh, But no, we don't talk about Steichen. We really don't. A Steichen who? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I, well, then that said, will it be turned up on Sirianni? I guess is my question. Because it, it will it not just be Hurts and Johnny Gannon? I think I think Steichen basically um, does what Sirianni tells him to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, this is this is Sirianni's baby. Okay, this is his chance to prove that he is one of he is worthy of being one of thirty two people who get to be a head coach in the National Football League. I do think Steichen has some input. Um, I do think Sirianni listens to him, but the final analysis, it comes down to this This is on Sirianni more so than Steichen. Hmm. I think that's fair. Look, I think it's yeah. a fair way to look at it. If yep. you're calling the plays, you're designing this, um, <laughs> and and you're the head coach, obviously, it's, it's going to fall more on you than it does. 
I, that's the part. I think we talked about this earlier in the week, you know, the whole approach out of the shoot. Does he just abandon? I'm not saying abandon the run altogether. I don't mean that. But does he just abandon sort of the heavy run philosophy that he closed the year out because he feels like Hertz is that much more advanced and you have A.J. Brown, et cetera? Or are you going to ease your way into this thing? I, that's what I'm going to be really curious to see. And that'll tell you the trust level, Barrett, that they have in the quarterback, too. Well, you know, I, you're, you're absolutely right about that because at this point, Steichen, Sirianni, we know who's going to call the plays. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what Doug had with, with Frank Wright, you know, as far as, you know, I, I'm hoping that's what it is. Mm. All right, here's the play selection. We go through with, with the quarterback. We get the plays we want. Um, this is what we can do. And as we're going along through the game, hey, um, we can get this too. You know, can you implement this? This is what we can do to help out the quarterback in this time. You know, I'm hoping that's where Steichen is, and, and, and Nick Sirianni have their uh, relationship. But we really don't know. And that's one of the things, you know, as they move on, who's the one that said, all right, let's start running the ball more? Was it Steichen or was it was it Nick? You know what I'm right. saying? Right. I mean, who was the orchestrator as far as, you know, putting the game plan together throughout the week? You know, how how much is 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 Hurts involved with this game plan? You know, these are things we don't know about the relationship those guys have. Now, evidently, they do listen to Hurts, which is why A.J. Brown is here. Right. But, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm anxious to see how they go forward, how this dynamic is going to change. I mean, even the quarterback coach, was named Brian uh, Johnson? Johnson from Florida, who worked with Hurts. Uh, who knows Hurts going way back? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that Hurts is going to come in, but I really do believe they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to start out like they did last year, not start the record. But I think they're going to open up a lot more this year, you know, um, as far as passing the ball, as opposed to what they did last year towards the end of the season and running the ball. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, because we also know that this – it's its most of the league, by the way. It's not just the Eagles. But this philosophy comes from even above, you know, the head coach here, from, from Nick. They don't want to be a running team. Nope. I mean, they, you heard Andy – we asked Andy about that yesterday, and it – and Andy was basically like, look, uh, it's really done that way much in the league. You, you kind of got to do what you got to do, but this is a passing first league. They That's all, why that, I asked them. I asked right. Them no, and it was a great question, Barrett. And that philosophy goes back to Joe Banner and Andy Reid and Jerry Lurie and that thought process. And that has trickled down to – Jeffrey obviously still there, but it trickled down to Howie and, you know, the way that they do things now. So I just – I think last year was the anomaly, was the outlier, and, yep. and there's no way they're staying with that kind of philosophy. You don't think, Derek? <laughs> I don't you know, Rob. You think they're going to run at the same rate they ran last year? <clears throat> Let's say this. I think we will see games where they will run the ball a lot more than they pass the ball because they play a defense that just cannot stop the run. Um, I think, I think you're, the offense is going to be more diversified. But because now that they know they can run the ball down people's throats if they have to, I think it, it's it's not going to be just a 50-50 game every time they go out on the field. It Running the ball will now be determined by who they're playing. Like Detroit Lions coming out of the gate, you got to show me you can stop the run. Then if you stop the run, then I got a whole set of different, you know, concepts that I'm going to. But as of right now, they're not, they added they added Aiken on defense, uh, Aiden on defense, but – um, I, I still don't know you can stop the run. I'm looking at Detroit's overall personnel. They weren't much of a run-stopping defense. 
So I'm going to, I got to play to my strength right now. You know, I've got new pieces in the equation. I want to get them acclimated. I want to get in the rhythm. I think running the football helps you get in that rhythm. And, and I, and I do believe we're going to be, there's going to be a couple of games where we're talking about 180, 200 yard rushing game for, for the Eagles. Mm. Yeah. And look, I, yeah, Derek, I don't necessarily disagree that it, Hey, if you're, if you're crushing it with the run early that right. you would just, obviously you could keep going or a team just, you know, going in can't defend the run. I, I don't disagree, but I, I think they're philosophically, they're going to be, a, I think much more apt to want to throw the ball than they were last year when they felt like they had those kind of limitations. And on top of that, I wonder just can you win? Like, how much can you win ultimately doing it that way too? Like, maybe you could, could win ten games and get to the postseason, but ultimately, are you going to be able to win the playoffs like that? I, in this day and age, it just doesn't feel like that. I, 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 I don't think so. I think we're going to see a shift here. I still think if you have a Miles Sanders, you have a Boston Scott, you have a Kenneth Gainwell, to a degree, there's going to be a commitment to the run, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be like last year. I well, just don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, Andy doesn't believe it either. Andy's saying, you know, that. You just don't do it like that. In, um, and I, and I, I was very pointed when I asked him. I said, look, can you win a Super Bowl right. running the ball like that? And the history is saying it's not back when I played where that's when running backs were, you know, the commodity then and receivers were like right. an afterthought. These days, receivers are the ones that are making the big money because everybody passes the ball so much. So, I mean, as, as you go forward, I think that it might start to shift back into running the ball because – you know, as defenses got smarter and they started covering the pass, you mm-hmm. notice the players up front and the players in the middle start getting smaller. So linebackers went from being 250, 260, like Trot and those guys, mm-hmm. down to like 230, 220 because they had to cover, go out and cover guys. Mm-hmm. Well, the balance of power shifted when the Eagles figured out, all right, but now these guys are so small, my big offensive line can – push those little guys around. So it's it's kind of, you know, you're the anomaly because you're running a rock because you can take advantage of it because the guys up front are just too small now. Right. Even defensive linemen went from being 300 pounds like Cortez Kennedy and those guys mm. down to small, fast guy like Aaron Donald. Yeah. And you saw when Aaron Donald got double teamed, you know, they, they you know, they, they had some, you know, great runs against him because he was so small. Right. So, no, that's you know, a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as though, you can take advantage of this because nobody else is doing what you're doing. You're not going to, you know, when you practice as a team, you practice against teams. When you practice against that anomaly as far as a 3-4 team as opposed to going against everybody's Mm 4-3, there's a learning curve you have to get adjusted to when you play against teams like that. So it's harder to game plan those teams when you're going into a season, when you're during a season. So, I mean, it's almost to their advantage that, they keep running the ball because nobody is built to stop the run yeah. right now. Well, I think I think too you, you're certainly going to have a huge advantage week one because Detroit's not going to know what. I think Detroit's going to game plan for you to run. You may be able to throw against them just because that's the way that they're going to game plan. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. All right, let's step aside. We'll come back. We'll uh, go roll into our final segment. We got a lot to do with the NBA, a bunch of other stuff that we will get to. As well, he's Derek Gunn. He's Barrett Brooks. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network.
stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV, now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Day, Network, rolling into the final segment of the program on this hump day, on this Wednesday. All right, so the Mavs stay alive last night, guys. The broom was not taken out. There were no chores done. There was no sweep last night by the uh, Warriors. In typical NBA playoff fashion, the Mavs jumped out to a monster lead early to the point where Steve Kerr pulled the, the starters, the subs came in, and actually made it a game for a minute. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then Luca had a big dunk to kind of – and it got it back to 10 or 8, and, and ultimately that was it. But it got interesting at the end. I think a lot of people probably bailed on it, and I don't blame them. Uh, but but props to the uh, the Warriors bench for, for getting him back in. But, you know, another game that wasn't great you know, all in all, and that's kind of been the uh, the M.O. for these playoffs in general. Yeah, they got to keep it – they got to keep it 100, man. They got to keep it, you know, the, van, the the viewers looking at it, you know, just to make a game out of it, a little bit of more revenue. For uh, for the Mavericks, man, that's all. And did you see the the rain delay, dude? The, the roof was. Are like, you serious? Cuban looked like he wanted. to oh my Wrangle somebody, man. And, and and then they had to stop because it rained on the court. Now it was raining in the in the Mavericks tunnel, and all of a sudden they had to stop because uh, the rain started dripping on the court itself. Yeah, how dangerous that is. How do you have a stadium? I mean, you're supposed to do roof checks on facilities like this every year. 
Yeah. How do you miss something like that? That's embar- That's a national embarrassment. Did you see the guy, the one guy, the one fan who stood up with an umbrella open when he was sitting and said, I oh, do yeah. I was cracking up when I saw that. Well, it was so, it was so funny. Like, and this is what I love about the irreverence of the, uh, the TNT show. So they, they, they're in the weather delay, I guess, or whatever. And they got Kenny and Shaq and Ernie are on the set, right? Yeah. They can't find Charles. They don't know where Charles is. What? <laughs> they try to find him. So they come back. I think they 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 had they went to a break after the delay, and they come back from the break. You know, Charles sits on the end. He's on the the one end of the of the set. He's not there. They're like uh, Ernie's like, I don't really know. I don't know where he is. And then and then he popped back in like mid segment. It, it was just so them, man. But but anyway, <laughs> so like, like when I go go check my chicken, barbecue. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's like we just roast. we just see a chair from Barrett. You know, that that's that's we're like, all right. Oh, by the way, how was the pot roast, man? We never got the review. Oh, it was amazing, bro. It was amazing. I, I mean, I ate good, real good. I, I came home. Did they leave you some at least? Right. When I came home, there was just enough for me to make a sandwich. Okay. I made a Another sandwich. Family. That was a sandwich. sandwich. But they, they they killed the rest of the rest was gone. Oh, then. yeah. Yeah. Okay. The baked potato. They did leave me a baked potato also. There you go. But uh, that's pretty good. You know, smoked bata- baked potato was pretty good. Oh, I was yeah. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I'm a big fan of that. (laughs) Um, So, all right. So that, yeah. So they end up, Mavs end up winning. I don't think anybody has any visions of it's never happened in the NBA playoffs down 3-0 and a team came back. I I, I think this thing ends next game in Golden State. You guys. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Dallas hit 23s. Then hit, they couldn't hit the broad side of the ocean. The first four, first three games, all of a sudden they started lining it up from three point last night. I think I'm like Barrett. I think Golden Gate, Golden State just gave him the game so that they get home and, and, and knock them out in front of their own fans. Yeah. And of course, the NBA gets another game out of it as well, you know. But I look at Dallas last night, and I'm still saying, you know, Bullock, Bullock, Bullock came alive. He was yeah, six he of did. ten from threes. He did. But that's one game. And my biggest problem is, I told you guys, my biggest problem with Dallas is they don't run enough. They don't spread their offense around enough. Right. And you know what? You know what I didn't realize. I did not realize until last night that Doncic, he is slow off the dribble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my well, you, you play the game at his pace. Like, he in other words, slow. he's not bursting. Pa- That's why he reminds me of Harden. I mean, Harden had more bursts. But, like, oh, they're both kind of slow, plotting. Oh, my goodness. Get to, your, get to their spot kind of guys. Even when he drives to the paint, it's a slow, methodical, yeah. up-and-under layup or some off-balance. I'm like, how could you be in the prime of your career and be that slow? Yeah. Oh, well, my good. I wonder. Well, look, it's he's crazy young, but I wonder what he's going to look like in his thirties. I don't know, but yeah, and he didn't even shoot it that well. I mean, he was no ten he of twenty six. Yeah, he was three of eleven from three. I, you know, but to his credit, still had fourteen rebounds, nine assists. I mean, he does a lot. There's no. He's doubt. not a dirt okay. though, man. He's okay, not a dirt. no, he's not a dirt. No, but here's the thing: he had twenty six shots. Yeah. His next closest teammate, Smith, uh, Finney Smith, thirteen. Right. Next close, Bullock, uh, ten. Brunson, twelve. Right. Everybody else is single digits and shots. Yeah. Your, your starting center didn't even take a shot in the game. No. And, and that's where I'll, I'll defend Doncic a little bit. He doesn't have a ton of help. There's certainly more talent on Golden State's roster. But right, look, I, I hear you. If I'm the coach, I'm telling my player, look here, man. I know you guys haven't shot much this season. Shoot the ball. Yeah. I don't care what happens. Just shoot the ball. Let's see what happens. Yeah. We're already down 3-0. His, mm-hmm. History tells us we're not winning the series. Go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Shoot the ball. Yeah, you got yeah. nothing to lose. Yeah. I, Unbelievable. I All right, then we then we flip it over to, to tonight, and it's game five. 
I haven't seen anything yet um, from an injury standpoint, whether it's smart or whether it's some of the other guys that have been banged up in this series, but these games have all been blowouts too. I, it, you, you look, if you just looked at the series, you'd say two, two, man. Wow. What, what an amazing series, yeah. but the games really <laughs> haven't been that close. Um, and this one goes back to Miami on the heels of the heat getting just smacked down in game four. You know, I, I would guess that Miami responds because they're home, but I, it's hard to tell exactly what's happening here. Here's, here's what I would say, Rob. Miami's at home, but home court means nothing in this series, as mm-hmm. we've seen. I, I wish, you know, I, you know, people say, what do you predict about tonight? I would say I would predict that it's going to be unpredictable because everything that you expect to happen in, in these games between Miami and Boston has gone, like, quite the opposite way. Um, it's, we know it's going to be physical. I don't know what the status of Tyler Hero is. Supposedly, he might not play tonight. Yeah, he's been banged um, up. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what his status is. Not that he's been much of a factor anyway. No, he um, hasn't. You're right. But, but I, I don't know what to make of this game tonight. That's why I'm going to just sit back and watch the entertainment value of it um, because the Miami team that played in game three, I'm thinking, okay, here's Miami. They finally found their niche. They did not show up in game four all of a sudden. Right. You know, they had no starter in double figures in scoring. How's that possible? It's amazing. No score. Autobile goes 31 one night and nine the next night. How's that possible? You can't win like that. You know, Jimmy Butler's playing with a banged up knee. Um, I, I don't know what to make of this team. I don't know what to make of either teams. I still say Boston has a better talent on paper, but, 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 Paper has nothing to do with how the series is going to play itself out. I think it's going to go seven games. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. I, I think it could very well. I mean, why? There's no reason not to believe that, right? That, that it could go that far for sure. No, I think it could. I think it has a lot to do with coaching, also, man. You know, um, you know, I, the, the lack of, of, of motivation by some teams sometimes is, is crazy to me. You know, like it, it seemed like. Miami was disinterested one game, and they're just everybody just sitting on the bench. And then the next time, the Celtics are disinterested, and they're sitting on the, on the bench, you know, doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, what 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 causes that? I don't know what causes in, that. in the playoffs. I, right, I, I, just, exactly. I, I don't know, man. It's stunning. It, it really is. It, it's stunning to me that this these things can can take place in the playoffs. Wouldn't you think a coach would be able to motivate them and get them going in the right yeah. direction? And yeah, both you coaches showing that they they can't do it. I know it's 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 a problem. It's a problem. It, it, for the league, it's a problem uh, in general. I also, it's dangerous when you do this, but I'll do it. I, like guys are sitting out with like knee inflammation in in, in a conference finals. Yep. I, I mean that kind of stuff didn't happen before, man. No, I just, no, you can you can you can keep Magic and and, yeah. and Jordan and Bird. You couldn't keep them off the court, no, man. No, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's puzzling. It's the, it's the tissue paper athlete of today. Yeah, it's puzzling, man. All right, so I I thought you guys would enjoy this. Sam Darnold, Panthers quarterback, believes he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. (laughs) All these coaches. (laughs) Correct. Look at him like, are you crazy? Yep. We we can't even coach you into a better player because you got small hands. He might not be be the best quarterback on this team. He's 17 and 32, by the way, as an NFL starter. 17 and 32 in his career. That's with the Jets and the uh, and the Panthers. As long as I know what we're doing, what the defense is doing, I'm confident I can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. By the way, and that's coming from Darnold. No duh. As long as you know what the defense is doing, 
I, 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 Matt, Matt Corral by week five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sam Donald will throw eight picks and two touchdowns in the first six games of the season. You know, I, now I will say you, you mentioned his one loss record. Now you look at the two teams he played for. Garbage teams. Yeah. Garbage teams. So, you know, I, I have to throw his record out of the window. But I've seen him play enough to know, man, you just ain't got it. You know, yeah. whatever the reason may be, you you just – I don't know if you've been hit once too many times. I don't know if you're gun-shy in a lot of cases because of offensive lines you've had in front of you. But from what I've seen you play, you you just ain't got it. You haven't had the greatest talent around you. I'll give you that. But as of right now, I, I understand why he would say, I feel like he'd be one of the best quarterbacks in the leagues because if he doesn't say that, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league sitting on the bench. I get that. But – Come on, Sam. You got to look in the mirror, bro. You know, you know what's crazy? So, he, he's only uh, 24. Plays like he's 34, 44. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 54 touchdowns, right, yeah. 52 interceptions. He's got a 76.9 passer rating, and he's completing less than 60% for his career. And, and no, 10,000 no. yards in four years. I watched the Texans blitz him every single play, and he didn't know what to do, man. Yeah, that you almost felt what bad for him. It was so oh, yeah. ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. crazy watching that game. I was like, all right, I can see the blitz coming. <clears throat> you can't see the he's, – he's lining up right there in the A-gap right in front of your face, and then he's surprised that he came. I just keep wondering, Barrett, I, I don't know, maybe the, just because I think their their situation, their quarterback situation stinks and rules probably in a, in a must-win year. Do they – I probably not after they got Corral, but do they take a shot at Baker Mayfield? Oh. I, I don't know. Oh. If you're just looking to win games, if you're desperate to keep your job, is Mayfield oh. going to give you a better chance than Darnold? Yes, I think so. You know, do you do you want that? Do you want that down on your team? But Matt Rule may be just desperate enough to make it happen. I mean, what I mean, else can he do? Technically, though, um, you know, Mayfield has not been cut by Cleveland, so you know they're still hoping they can get something for him. If I'm Carolina, I don't want to have to give up much to get a Baker Mayfield who could be there one and done, one season and done. Um, but if I'm a coach and I know I'm on a hot seat, I would take a chance. Baker Mayfield, say what you want to say about him, is a very good athlete. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's a very good athlete. Mm -hmm. He can win you games, and he can also lose you games. But he can do it in a manner that's much better than a Sam Darnold. And so I would be willing to take that risk to get a Baker Mayfield in there. If he can win me two or three more games than we're projecting, then we made the right call, and I, and I believe with the personnel that Carolina has right now, they could win more games than they lose if they had a Baker Mayfield in there. If Sam Darnold's your quarterback, they're going to have another losing season. All right, let me circle back to a story that we did before. Uh, if you remember when the Titans drafted Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill was basically like, not my job to mentor him, right? So that, that thing blew up. It went viral. So he's kind of walking this thing back, uh, Tannehill is. He said, quote, I meant no disrespect to Malik or anything like that. We've been in constant communication, <clears throat> excuse me, since he was drafted. I'm disappointed in how things got spun and twisted a little bit. I pride myself on being a great teammate my whole career, going back to when I was a kid playing youth sports. Yep. And he goes on to say, as soon as it blew up, I reached out to him. I said, hey, I'm going to be a great teammate to you. I'm going to support you. They're making this out to be something that it's not to be. It's not what it's been made of or made to be out at all. He's butchered here. Uh, he said he's been good. He, he was great with it throughout the whole time. It's been great to have him in the room and build that relationship. 
look, that's what that's what he said, man. I mean, I don't think it's the media making thing, you know, something out of nothing, but that is what he said. At least I, I'm glad maybe it just woke him up a little bit to, to try and help the kid. You you got you gotta you gotta be careful how you open your mouth nowadays. Yeah. When he made that initial statement about he's not there to to help him, I say, man, oh my God, this is Brett Fire part two. You know, and of course, just like you thought, the media jumped on this thing. Now he's trying to backtrack, even if he didn't mean it that way. Right. You know, I think he made, meant it like, hey, I'm not here to coach this kid. He has, there we have coaches here to coach the kid. But the way it came off is like, hey, he can fend for himself. He can learn the game at this level by himself. I'm not going to help him take my job. You know, you got to think those three things through a lot better, man. Tannehill, <laughs> you, you, you've been around the block a few times, dude. You know, we see how things get twisted time and time again, especially by the media or fan base. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be word perfect nowadays when you make statements like that, because then you've got to backtrack. And now people are saying, "Okay, you just read his 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 statement. Now people are saying, oh, he just said that because he got caught by his initial statement. So it's still going to follow him for around for a while until they start playing the games. I wouldn't give a damn, though, for real, for real. I mean, look how long it took you to start helping me. It took you about a year and a half. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? You dirty, uh, you dirty dog. No, no, no. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No, no. You, you helped me from the beginning, especially when I, you know, if, you were quick to tell me the things I was doing wrong. You, you didn't. You weren't. You weren't shy about that. that. I love that. <laughs> I enjoyed that the most. Every day was like reprimanding a kid, Rob. I hear you. The first, the first element was getting him to stop doing this. <laughs> that was the first part of it. Barrett, you can't do that in here, man. People looking at you. Huh? Barrett, you can't do that in here, man. This ain't the locker room anymore, bro. You can't do this. Uh, oh, man. I've been getting up early in the morning, man. That was tough, man. Four o'clock in the morning, bro. That was Yeah, that was no joke. That, that yeah. was no No, joke. not getting up at four o'clock, but being there at four. Getting o'clock. in at four. Yeah. Yeah, we had to that, be there at four. That's Jeez. the start of a long day, man. Yeah, um bro. So the NFL, I'm glad that I'm glad to hear this. The NFL um, says the teams can't interview an employed head coaches and candidates until after wild card weekend. They've also changed some Rooney rules kind of stuff thing, kind of thing. So because we all know, you know, the Rooney rule just became this sort of standard. Oh, check the box off. I, I interviewed a minority candidate. Right. Let's move on. Right. And right. we know it wasn't. There wasn't any, you know, real incentive here. You know, in yeah. a lot of ways, man. Yeah. So I'm glad to see that uh, one minority candidate must interview for that position, which has been the rule. This week, the NFL is hosting more than 60 future minority general managers and head coaching candidates as part of the uh, diversity program. It's an accelerator program, and it's good because they get valuable face time with ownership. So this way, some people who maybe didn't get the opportunity to even get an interview will be able to get in front of owners and GMs of certain teams and and maybe potentially have – you know, at least that plant a seed with them, at least that, hey, you know, keep me in mind here. If something goes sideways with your organization. I think that's great. You know, get, at least you put a face in them. You put a face in the building, you know, that 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 you could possibly go back to. I mean, it was just all right. Let me just do it because I have to do it. And it'll probably still be that. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm um, believer that, you know, you, you, you can't plan a game unless you're at the game. You know I mean? wonder, I really, the, the guy that comes to mind when I think about this is Deuce Staley. Right. You know, right. I, I wonder, um, obviously he had interviews with the Eagles, but he was, you know, in-house candidate 
having played here so long that I mean, they all know him. But if Detroit starts to get this thing going here and, and they start winning, I wonder if he gets another shot somewhere else, at least to, to interview and, and, and potentially get a gig. Because I, there isn't someone that's more beloved by the people who played for him than, mm-hmm. than Deuce, man. That one's going to be interesting. I think the enemy deserves a job before Deuce does. Oh, yeah, I, and, that's fair. And I, lo- and, I, and I love Deuce Daly. I know I've known Deuce for a long time. I think be, be, you know Andy Reid very openly credits credits uh, his offense to Bieniemy's input, his creativity in the offense. Um, why Bieniemy keeps getting passed over is, is just beyond me. And you know what, Rob? They can revamp rules and stuff all they want. First of all, I applaud them for now using a format to at least get minorities more interviews to see what it takes to in a real interview process to become a GM or president mm-hmm. of an organization. But again, as I sit here right now, I look at that as another smoke screen. You know, basically it's a smoke screen. The Rooney rule was in place since what, 2003? Uh, yeah, I believe it was 2003. When yep. it, oh, so it was, almost 20 years. Yep. Okay. Almost 20 years in that time. When you look at the oh, hundreds of coaching changes that have happened in the national football league, only 28, I believe it is, have been black head coaches in the National Football League in a workforce that exceeds 70%. Mm. The, the general manager positions in the NFL uh, has been putrid. A representation, I should say, has been putrid in the National Football League. And they keep saying, you know, we got to do a better job. We got to do a better job. So until, until you show me, uh, I'm just going to sit here and believe that what you're trying to do now, while it does look good on paper, is just another smoke screen to get people off your back for a while. Yeah. Look, look, words are cheap, right? And and yes. actions will will show us a lot more. That's yes. for sure. Yep. All right. So I wanted to leave us enough time. By the way, we're gonna have Ricky Vitalico join us tomorrow at 1230. <clears throat> to talk Phillies. Ricky was a little bit tied up today. Uh, we were hoping to have him on today, but he's gonna be hopping on with us tomorrow. Um, I wanted to leave us a little bit of time here at the end of the show to address uh, y- you know what went down yesterday in Texas and, and, you know, obviously I, I don't know about you guys. Like it's, it's our job to come on here and talk sports. And we, we try to provide an escape for people because you can get this enough of this elsewhere. Um, um, that's for sure. But You know, sometimes there's no escaping the, the, the truth of what's going on and to see 21 people cut down to see 19 kids, two teachers. And I, and I forgive me if that's not the exact count. I think that's what it is. Um, and to see some of the faces today of the children uh, being posted uh, out there and, and reading some of the stories and the parents, you know, just just devastating posts and whatnot. It just kills you, man. And, and we're so we're so broken as a country uh, right now. And, yeah, I know people want like to turn this into a political football, but the bottom line is we're just losing innocent lives, you know, far too often and, and at, at, at a rate that's just it's sickening, frankly. And I, I can't. You, you, the kid can't go to school. This happened in school. This was a kid who, li- a guy who lived in that town, and he goes in there, machine gun, and cuts down children. It, they were two days away from their last day of school. The the one mother of one of the fourth graders was in there two hours before that because the kid was receiving, you know, like uh, honors for, for from his school. And it's just, it's scary stuff, man. You know what's happening out there in the world right now. If you got you guys anything, anything you want to add, please. I mean, we'll, I, I, just, I, I just thought we needed to talk about this at least a little bit. Absolutely. As a, as a father of three kids, 
and had three grandchildren and soon to be a fourth grandchild. Um, and, and because my wife and I have spent so much time helping raise a lot of children in our lives, my heart, I saw that story, my heart just broke. Um, and I don't know any of those people down there. Um, I don't know any other, I don't know any of the people that lost children uh, in all the mass killings that have happened in schools across the United States over the last 10 years. I don't understand how anybody could take a weapon and point it at innocent people and, and take them out just because you're going through troubling, troubling things in your life. Think about 19 families sent their kids to school yesterday morning, and now they never get to hug that kid again on this earth. Mm. And I just, I just can't for the life of me understand. Did you see Kerr's uh, press conference before? Yeah, it was uh, it was an impassioned, it was impassioned, emotional. It was everything. It it it, it was from the heart. It was great, Derek. It well, he, was, he, I, I mean, it was he, sad that, it, but it was, yeah, it was played he, on the money. He, he didn't even want to talk basketball. He lost his dad uh, to a terrorist attack in Beirut back in 1984. Yep. Um, and he has been impassionate about changing the gun laws in this country his entire professional life. Now, some bills have reached certain levels of our government and all of a sudden they disappear. They don't get any further. Um, Unfortunately, the money behind guns controls a good portion of what this country is all about. And those people are going to stand behind owning guns no matter what. But there's a bigger picture here. Um, I think in a lot of ways, we're a sick society. We are a sick society. When we lose people daily, it's become it's it's become monthly occurrences now. Mass shootings in our country. When you look at other countries that have strict gun laws, they don't have the same problems um, that we do in this country. And I don't understand how you can just take an innocent life for no reason. I, I've just never understood that. How can you go out and hurt your family um, because you did it? You've hurt so many other families now because you've taken away precious jewels from them that they can never recover and never get back in their lives. And, and, and something has to be done about the gun laws in America. Um, I I don't know what, if anything, uh, or where it's going to go, but it's way beyond the time for gun laws to change in this this country. And I'm just sitting there, man, you know, and, and my heart just hurts. My heart just hurts for these, those people. Um, because of what they lost. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know about you, Barrett. I mean, I, I, when I saw this first on the news yesterday, I had, I was in a fog all night. I was in a fog all day today, frankly. And, and you know, we have a job to do and we're happy to do it. We, we feel blessed to do what we do, but it was, it was not easy prepping for the show today just because you just felt, it just felt like it was, it, it was meaningless frankly and and steve Kerr said the same thing like we'll play the game tonight i get it we, we we have to do what we have to do but let's not become numb to this you know this happens so often now yeah. the danger is we start becoming numb to it but god barrett i don't want to step on your toes man i i i mean it's really there's really nothing i can really say man to to really you know give you an accurate assessment of how i'm feeling right now you know especially when i have five kids i have two grandkids and you know it's i mean School is supposed to be a place of safety, a place of knowledge where you go to learn. And, you know, to think that, you know, I'm, I'm sending my, my kid out to school and, you know, something like this may happen to my kid. I mean, this is this is this is frightening, man. This is 
I mean, I, I, I really have no words to say, man. I, I don't have anything that I can really, you know, say about this. That I'm just disheartened, man. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to pray for the families, man, and, and, you know, pray that, you know, God covers their families, man. It's, it's, yeah. this, mm. this, is, this is ridiculous, man. It is. It is. It, it's happening. It should never happen. But we've, it's had almost two, we've had almost 200 mass shootings in America this year, yeah. and it's only May. May. Yep. I know. I know it's, we're, we're it's sick. change needs. We need changes in, in a big, big way. Um, and you're right. Whether it's a church, whether it's a school, a supermarket, yeah, you're not supermarket. safe anywhere anymore. No. It's that. All right. Well, we just wanted to look just we're, we're, we're yeah, people are in our thoughts and please be nice. Be kind to each other. Please be kind to each other. All right, guys. So uh, obviously it wasn't a, a super happy note to end on, but we, we felt like it was important to talk about that. So we'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll, we'll be here to, to give you some distraction from, from the everyday stuff, and we're, which we're happy to provide. But uh, good job today, Gunner. Good job today, Barrett. Uh, thanks Likewise, bro. Yeah, thanks to Xander uh, Krause, our producer. And don't go anywhere, guys, because Dan Cilio has got <clears throat> you with the National Football Show. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.